You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome, everybody, to episode 19 of the Boss Hog Liberty Podcast. I am Jeremiah Morrill. We are on the We Are Libertarians Network. You are hearing from myself and our co-host as always. I, I say as always, Dakota Davis. Welcome. Yep. I'm, I'm always here. Like, In t- except for next week, which you're, you're, yeah. you're begging out on me already. I am begging out. I'm trying to make money for those studio upgrades. So you've created a problem, and we're, we're, sol- we're solving it. Yep. Yep. But, we, we, I have created a problem. The problem, of course, being that uh, here I am uh, wanting to make a brand new studio for us. Um, there's a lot of time that I can be working uh, to make extra money, and of course I'm going to do it so that we can have the studio. But therein lies the problem, because in working towards the studio, I'm going to have to miss an episode. So uh, we quickly, very quickly, had to uh, had to come up with a solution, and... Uh, we what? couldn't miss a week for, or we no. care about our listeners just too much. No, our our listeners are much too important to us to uh, to just go without an episode for a week. It's it's not going to happen. Not on my watch, Jeremiah. <laughs> so so there's going to be a familiar voice on this show and many many more. Welcome, Clay Morgan. Who uh, I, I guess are, are you're. Are, do you want to accept the title of being a co-host or a frequent contributor? What exactly? What level of misery well, well, are you willing I, to put I'll yourself tell you through? What, if, if you're willing to dub me. Uh, I, I will take that dub a nation if that's a word. And uh, <laughs> yes, yes. All yeah, right, there we go. There's the solution. Well, there we go. He's a co-host. Congratulations, yep. welcome. Well, well, thank you, thank you. It's that official. was, that was me, one of the easiest. Let me get out. If you could take your Republican card and tear it up now, you're you're a co-host <laughs> on the We Are Libertarians Network. Uh, let me. I need to get out the sword so I can, you know, officially knight him as a co-host. Yes. Sir Clay Morgan, uh, and then uh, the the advertised guest for the show is uh, is a fellow you've heard if you've listened to the feed you've heard you've heard from Sean already. Sean Rao is here. Welcome, Hello. Sean. Thank you, thank you for having me. Glad that you're here. This is uh we've we've tried a couple of times to make this work, and you uh, you're a busy guy. You every time I hit you up, you're like, oh, I'm on vacation with the family. So yeah, that can happen. <laughs> you have a family, you have to go on vacation. That's right. So. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, awesome. Yeah. So the uh, the Boss Hog Liberty podcast today is going to be Dakota Davis, myself, uh, Clay Morgan, and Sean Rao. Our show is about our lives in rural Indiana. It's a show about folks who are interested in politics. We are always promised that our episodes are going to be fun, easy, and uh, we interview all kinds of different uh, policymakers and influencers in our, in our community, but it applies to all of your communities. So uh, we're glad you're here, and uh, we hope to uh, hope to have you like and subscribe if uh, if you hear a fourth or a fifth voice in yeah, the room, yeah, there's there's another person in the in the we, studio with us right we've now. We've gone very big time, and the local paper, the Courier Times or the Brisket Gazette, uh, Travis Wyke, who you heard on a previous episode, he's here doing a feature story on the show, Dakota. Yeah, we're 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 headed out to get that Courier Times bump. For we we're out to get the bump so that we can get more listeners in Henry County and surrounding areas because I mean we're just too valuable to miss. 
I mean, we have a county councilman on the podcast as a regular now. We've had Darren Jacobs on the podcast. Who's got like and, four or five jobs yeah, in the county. He, he just is a, a do-all. And, he uh, says he's one election, and he's seven years on the town council of, Sp- of Spiceland. Yeah. That's all he had to do is one election. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's true. That's the true. park board president is a host of the show. That's true. I mean. You really need a government job. What are you even slacking? Yeah, even Sean's a government attorney sometimes, yeah, most of the part time. Part-time. Public yeah. defender. Public defender, oh, and, you're, and you're the planning commission's attorney? Yes. How many, do you collect any other government checks, or is that uh, the one? No, those are the two. <laughs> they kind of offset you. Two. You collect those, those two, two checks, two, and then yes. you pay taxes back in, and so you, it, it almost nets out. It's the circle of life. That's right. <laughs> it moves us all. Ashes to ashes. <laughs> <laughs> so Travis is here. Uh, we'll give Travis a plug. Uh, he's got a small business in Henry County, uh, Saved Games, which I, I, I think it's some sort of a Christian organization. No, it's no, 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 no. <laughs> he's, he's he's already defending himself. The games have been born again, correct? That yeah, yeah they're giving new life. It's a board game library and shop. So there's a a board game library. They're having a free play day. So if you're listening immediately after the release of this show on Saturday, September second, I guess yes. of Labor Day weekend, they're having a free play day from ten to ten at uh, at their facility in the Hope Building in Newcastle on Broad Street. If you park your car and walk a half mile, you can get there. Uh, or you can take the train and jump off at the tracks and roll twice, and you'll be at the front door. That's true. Oh, oh he's Sorry, that's yeah. Travis is causing trouble. So anyway, I, I'm going to try to make an appearance if uh, if I can convince the lovely Sarah Potter. Dakota, we have show notes. We probably should get into those, huh? Yeah, yeah, we probably should. Uh, so every it seems like every week that we do a show, we're coming back and we're talking about the weekend that we spent together. It's been like nonstop. Yeah, you know. Bam, we're we're going to rock and bowl, and then one night we're hanging out at your house. One night there's a party going on or something, you know. A lot of program friendship. You even talked about watching each other sleep last week. He, uh, yeah, that yeah. Yeah. he just dreams about me in my sleep. Yeah. I don't think I've watched him in my sleep. He and he's never seen me sleep, is what he said. Yes, yeah, he's not. Was. He's not convinced yeah. that I do. Yeah, vampire. <laughs> <laughs> no, where I was going with that is we. I was so close, guys. I was, I mean, you almost got to so sunset close. on Sunday night without seeing me. Yes, it was, it was the sun was going down. It had been an entire weekend. I had relaxed. Did you have the jitters from not seeing me? Were you? Were you <laughs> I started starting having withdrawals. Yeah, yeah. There were bugs crawling on my skin. And, oh, it was a horrible time. No, it was Sunday night, and uh, we were. I was working on the studio, putting flooring down. Jeremiah sends me a text message because I had sent him a picture. Of the uh, of all the flooring, the flooring being ripped up and everything moved out of the room and everything to put the flooring down. And he says, "Do you need any help?" And I said, "Well, it's going down really fast, but you're welcome to come over if you want to." What was it, like thirty minutes? Later? I said, "I'll be over in thirty minutes." Not thirty a minutes problem. later, and it was like I'm putting down the floor, and then it was like poof. Jeremiah is literally in the room. <laughs> I'm helping make it happen. <laughs> I'm cheerleading. I had no idea that you were there until you were upstairs. <laughs> I'm a shapeshifter. <laughs> it was it was interesting, but we did get the flooring down. I uh, used a uh, a really nice. It's like a gray uh, rustic looking wood floor. Um, it's not actually wood, but it looks like it's, it's wood. It's a faux wood. It, for for north of Q Avenue, I think it's going to be just fine. I, I think so too. I would hope so for it being over two dollars a square foot, but it was, it looks awesome. 
and we get we got the rug down and uh, my knees are severely injured because of it i have two large scabs <laughs> on my both of my kneecaps uh I'm glad you Horrible. don't put down knee. Uh, you don't put down flooring for a living because if if a 120 square foot room or whatever that was got you, you're in deep trouble. <laughs> well, if I had knee pads, it wouldn't have been a problem. But I didn't even realize that my knees were were even injured until I had stood up and I thought that there was like a piece of the old carpet that was in there stuck to my kneecap. So I went down to like brush it off, and I just ripped off all the skin. <laughs> And it was in my hand, and it was like, oh. My hand is still healing up from when we hung out the weekend before and built your laundry room. I've got, I had a big chunk of my hand that was gone, and I've still got yep. a little bit of a scab left. Yeah, we ran, we ran what, like 50 feet of plumbing. Uh, we did electrical work. We stacked a dryer on top of a washer. We, we built then, a permitless laundry room in your, in your house. Yep, and we were, we were all totally fine until Jeremiah takes the corner too sharp coming out of the doorway and then catches his hand on the edge of the door. Carrying a washing machine in. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So then we did have a little bit more forced friendship time. We golfed together on Tuesday night. Yep. That was me forcing the friendship. It was. That doesn't happen very often. I, I had other stuff planned, and you said you no. Did. You said Eric Lee and Tanner Purdue are coming over to the house uh, at 7, so I can't do anything. And I said, tell those guys you'll be there at 8 and come golf with me. And you did. I, and I did. We went to Westwood Golf Club. We summarized a little bit on the uh, on the Facebook page. Got a yep. little video. There was one whole. I was playing the best game of my life. You were playing what you deemed as your worst, it, or one of your worst. Yeah, it was like being in high school again. We were, yeah, we were tied tied golf. I was about two over on each hole, and you were shooting. You were actually worse than me, but you kept taking my score because I was a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it went? I think that's the way I remember it. Huh. You had, you lost three balls and I lost one. So so you guys were playing each other, but you actually were played best ball. Well, a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. A couple of times. <laughs> we definitely weren't playing cart ball though. There, the, but the, the last hole we played, we, we kind of, we only played about four or five. We needed a four wheeler to play more efficiently <laughs> with the way that we were hitting the ball into the woods. The, uh, <laughs> I, I hit one off the left side of a fairway and Dakota hit one well to the right. He was playing the next hole on the right hand side. So I said, I'm going to just try to knock it back over towards you and be nice. And I kicked it right into a tree line, <laughs> probably the 13th or 14th hole on, at, uh, at Westwood. And from there it went, it went to hell for me, and I hit a, in that tree line. I tried to hit out, and I hit three trees squarely. Boom, boom, yeah, like boom. right in a row. And it wasn't even like he was like two or three yards away from the tree. They were and, like thirty or forty yards yeah, off, and, and I would just, smoke them. Yeah, and I saw one coming one time and hid behind the cart <laughs> because I was like, "This is going to come back and knock me in the head." And bam, no more ball sock liberty. Yeah. It's a good thing we had clay. I mean, he, you've got a backup lined up. Yeah, <laughs> just in case you ever get knocked out. Yep, man. So this might be one of our last episodes that we record in in my dining room. Yeah. Well, that's that's the plan. I think uh, our our newest plan is uh, September twentieth. We want to be in the new studio. Um, Does that mean I get keys to your house? <laughs> uh, thumbprint, well, some well, sort of biometric yeah. security. There's a doorbell. I don't. I know. I, I don't. I need to be able to get in on my own. I don't want. Uh, I, I'm not in the permission business. I guess I can get into your house on my own. Yeah. You've been in my know. house without permission all the time. I'll have to ask Andre Joe about that. Not even married. And he has to ask her permission to, to let people into his house. Yeah, well. Very yeah. awkward. I'm uncomfortable just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Made him nervous. All right. So where are we going with this thing? What's the, uh, 
what's the show going to be? Now we've got the, we've got a, a sitting uh, Republican that that you've you've got on the show now going forward. What yeah. uh, what what do we got lined up? What's coming down the line? So what's what's coming down the line is that, you know obviously whenever uh, September twentieth happens, we we have not hit our one thousand dollar goal on the GoFundMe page. We're getting there. So we we will not unfortunately be producing video at that time we won't be making our youtube videos and we won't be doing the live stream however we will have much better quality of sound for the podcast um we're gonna finally get our padded room that we've always wanted yep we're we will be in a totally padded room all of us will be seated at a uh will be the knights of the round table at that point a uh, nice white round table and <laughs> and uh Basically, going from that point forward, once we get into the new studio, uh, which is kind of like what we touched on whenever uh, we were talking about Travis being here from uh, the Brisket Gazette, um, we we want to keep uh, just how we've done. We we try to keep a few local issues in, um, as we've talked about, like with the uh, with the budget process. Yes, it's a local issue towards Henry County, or maybe it's towards Newcastle. But it can be applied all over the United States. Everybody has a small town that they live in, or a small town that they're from. That you're they you're from a community, to. and you have right. you have local government. Yeah. So you can so, address that. When we talk about national issues, obviously those apply to everybody. But when you're talking about just the, you know, what's going on with your your town park or your your county judicial system or your county budget, everybody has one. Right. Absolutely. And I I would like to see this to see this podcast to see our project here get to a point to where we are a trusted media within our community or within the state even. I want, I would like to see us get to a point to where elected officials or people who are up for election, maybe you are running for city council or maybe you're running for Congress or Senate of the, of Indiana or the United States. It doesn't matter. Uh, I would like to get to a point to where people and their campaign managers are Messaging us, getting in contact with us, and saying, "Hey, I've heard, I've listened to Boss Hog Liberty. I know a lot of the people that vote and pay attention to politics and pay attention to local issues. Also, listen to Boss Hog Liberty, and I would like to get on the show to talk to you guys so that uh, future constituents can listen to me talk about issues. That's where I see our podcast going, and that's where I would like to take it. They better know that we're going to have fun with them too. Oh yeah, yeah, that is a, that's a given. Like if if you're coming on the show and you haven't listened to the show, then you have done yourself a great disservice. Jeremiah is always here to stop you if you get too passionate about a subject. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just like, uh, hey, whoa. No. The shiny <laughs> object will distract you. There's no yes. trouble. Yes. No problem. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I'm excited that uh, we have Clay with us. Uh, he's. I, I, do we get discounts on haircuts now? Is that the way this oh, is going to go? We, we can definitely work. Something we, we can out. work something oh, out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now I don't have to tip anymore. Yeah. Exactly. I can get the Dakota plan of no exactly. tipping. Exactly. Exactly. Only if you come in once a week. And I well, no. To... That's the thing is now he comes to my house once a week. Maybe he can get my hair. hair. Do it, maybe I can get home service in home. We don't have in home doctors. But maybe we can get in home like barbering. A, yeah, it's like an old time doctor. Do you have one of those things that hooks to the vacuum? This we have to. Cut? Dear leader says we have to ignore the people that are off a floby. You want a floby? Is that what it's called? Yeah. He's the, he wants a floby. Yeah. yeah, that's what he's talking about. We don't do uh, flobies. Yeah. We ignore the people that are off mic. You just can't. It's not my fault. You're too cheap to buy five mics. You're here to observe and write a story. <laughs> <laughs> 
can I get true. can I get that comment stricken and, from there? Other unscheduled? No, it's on. <laughs> you're, you've you've made the somebody's crashing their car right now <laughs> because of it. Man, just he's so distracting. I can see why they don't let him on the real wheel. He is so distracting. I have no idea what we were just talking about. We were welcoming Clay with, with his oh, and, and yes. negotiating that's, future that's future barbering discounts. Yeah. yeah, he was smack talking me the other day to a lady that was in the barber shop. That was <laughs> that was last week, and she goes in there and she goes to pay and she says, "I don't think that I I don't think I was able to put a tip on my card with oh, no. your new app," and he said. Well, it's all right, you know, whatever. And she goes, well, I really like to tip, and I would want to give you a tip. And he says, well, you could just be like some people, not tip at all. <laughs> and she goes, oh, my goodness. I Who would, would ever do she that? She says, I would never do that. And <laughs> I really set him up. <laughs> and I said, um, excuse me, I do that. And then I had to pat, it, pat his head and say it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you come okay. in every week. So I, if you want a shitty haircut, don't tip. That's all. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the story. Mm. Wow. All right. Well, I actually I screwed up because he did have the new app and I forgot to tip him the last time too. But I guess I'll, I'll bring no that worries, up now. No worries. I apologize, Clay. It's no not worries. in my nature. Although I do have a tipping story. Real quick, I went to uh, Porto. You know Porto Varta, Sean, mm, up in Muncie. Yes, There's a yes. whole, about three or four of them. I'm familiar. Sean sounds like he knows it well. I know it. I know it. No poquito. No, yeah, just, just a little. Just a little. The uh, uh, Tuesdays, the special is a uh, 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 Speedy Gonzalez. I'm sure that's completely appropriate. You get a taco and a burrito and beans and uh, for like four ninety five. Very PC. Yes. Hey, look. Whatever. Whatever. Build that wall. Anyway, the. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I go in and I have $6 cash. I have a debit card and I go in $6 cash and I ordered, I didn't try to be cheap, but I had chips and salsa and I ordered the daily special and I got a water and like the thing comes and it's like $5 and eight cents. Well, what do you do? You're like, and then the, the, the ticket comes and it says your, your appropriate tip is like 85 cents. I, as a general rule, I think I'm a dick if I just leave a dollar or you don't know, leave a dollar, <laughs> yeah. but I'm like, your paperwork says I need to leave whatever. And I don't want to run it. It's only five bucks. I know it's a five dollar meal. Yeah. What's it feels? I I don't know. So my, I, I guess I want to pull from the room because I'll I'll tell you what I wound up doing. But I want to know if if you go in a place, it's six dollars, it's five dollars and change. Do you leave the six dollars? Do you leave the suggested tip? Do you go, just take it your card out and pay that way? What what do you do? I would have used my debit card to pay for it. Yeah, mainly because I don't carry cash. But if you had gone in with six, but if I had gone in with six dollars, I would have used my debit card. My my typical rule of thumb is if I have average service okay it's just it's not it's not great like oh my gosh that that waiter blew me away and it's not the lady was spitting in my food bad it's just average service that like your everyday chilies or something um i i generally my rule of thumb is to add three to the first number of the bill okay so if audrey and i are out to eat and uh say the bill is like 26 dollars, then i will leave a five dollar tip Three plus two is five. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's, I've not that's heard that one interesting. before. Interesting. <laughs> well, that's two hundred dollars, and uh, how'd add three to that, that? it'd be five dollar tip. How'd you come up with that? <laughs> no, if it's like if it's over a hundred dollars, obviously, then if it's a hundred dollar tip, then I'm going to then I'm going to tip them like twenty bucks or something. All right. I'm. I. How'd you come to, up with that three three plus? Uh, it's what my dad always did. Really? Oh. Yeah. Interesting, Mr. Rao. Uh, the question is to you, sir. That's too much math for me. Uh, no, I, what I what I would do is leave the six dollars because then you're tipping approximately twenty twenty five percent, right? 
Right. Right. I'm not a math major. I, I majored in philosophy. But I, I think that leaving the $6, you had the cash. It's like a lunchtime meal by yourself yeah. with water. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, $6. I did go with a group $6. of four. There were four people at the table. But you were paying for yourself. But I was paying for myself. Yeah. It was just $6, me. $6, you're good. Yeah. All right. Clay? I'm, I'm using a, the, a man uh, in the service uh, yeah, industry yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I'm using the card. Yeah. Yeah, if you have $6 cash, yeah, I'm using the card. A buck tip is very appropriate. I'd probably leave two. So what did you end up doing, Jer? I got up. I went up front and paid, and I had the change. Well, actually, what I first did is I said, hey, guys, anybody at the table have a dime so I can leave a dollar? Because I knew I was going to get the change back and like leave a dollar, and I'll feel good about myself. Nobody had a dime or a nickel on them. Now, if I could have pulled that off, that's what I would have that, done. Yeah. yeah, so that was, first, that was my that first you choice. Leave at least a dollar. I left it. I thought yeah. going to feel good about a yeah. dollar. Instead, I got up. I went up front, paid before anybody else at my table got up, came back, put my change on the table. And then uh, when the rest of the people went up to pay and leave, I walked out the door, and the other guy, and one of the other guys hassling me in the group says, uh, you have to pay for your meal, sir. <laughs> I'm acting like I'm walking out and not paying at all. So I probably can't go back to the uh, Port of Arta on, uh, on North Wheeling Street in Muncie, but uh, that's what I did. Good thing there's more than one. That's right. I got three. I can go back to Tillotson, and I can go to uh, – and where is the other one? Tillotson. There's three. There's Wheeling uh, – Broadway. We are at Broadway. We're not Wheeling. We're at Broadway, the far northeast side, over by uh, across from Star Financial Bank. Anyway, I don't it, think you can I've look that up. That one. Yeah. Anyway, it, does, it doesn't matter. You so don't get north of the malls. Oh, I love Victor. I, I grew up with Victor. Yeah, he uh, came over from Mexico and worked in our in our shop and ran the shear line in the rebar plant for like a decade. And I worked with him, and then he uh, he got fed up and left and makes you, pancakes and gyros. Good guy. If you're ever in Muncie, Victor Carrillo, Victor's Euro and Pancake House. Is a great place to eat. Huge menu. Oh. Good dude. He also owns a bunch of the, uh, around Indianapolis, the Blueberry Hill pancake places. Oh, I didn't those, know Those that. are his too, yeah. Really? Yeah, over on uh, East Washington Street for Indianapolis viewers or listeners. I heard a beer open somewhere, but it's below the table. Very, it is below the table. Very weird. It's probably Clay. <laughs> <laughs> probably Clay. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get into uh, let's get into the actual programming portion of the show. Sean, you're uh, you're here. We I don't know if people have gone yep. back and listened, so we'll give you a little bit of a proper introduction. You're uh, you have a JD. You're 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 not billing yes. us. Hopefully, no. <laughs> this is just this is not at the five hundred dollar an hour rate. My God, yeah, no. And he and he still has an IU hat on after all that. I'm living the dream here. We're playing <laughs> Ohio State tonight. You know, they could pull off the. How in the hell did you agree to be here and not go to your stadium when it's going to sell out? Well. First of all, I I wouldn't be able to make it down to Bloomington tonight. Second of all, think things could go <laughs> south for Indiana very quickly tonight against Ohio State. So I I'll just enjoy it from my and you didn't want to have to drive home my angry. living room. Yeah. Right. yeah, that's a long drive to drive home angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I've done that a lot after Colts games. Yes. Monday, there's nothing worse than playing a night game, a Monday oh, night yeah. football game or yep. something, and driving home Sunday night game one in the morning yep. after your team blew a game, and it's just it's so miserable. Yep. I've been there. That's why I'm giving up sports. Uh, <laughs> so you are uh, based here in Henry County in Newcastle. You're not from here. You're from Upland, right? Yeah, I'm from uh, Upland originally. Up there Ray in the County. world, of, the land of Taylor University. Taylor University. Um, and uh, I'm from there. Uh, and Ivanhoe's to, Ice Cream. Went to Ivanhoe's many a time. Uh, oh, good place to grow up. Peanut butter milkshakes there. A- every kind of milkshake there. I mean, anything you want. It's great. Um, but no, grew up there, uh, went to law school, uh, practicing here, um, married, have two kids. Uh, it's, it's just a great, 
uh, situation right now. I remember your wife's name is Sarah, right? It is. Yeah. Yes. See, my girlfriend's name is Sarah, so it's formerly, e- it was easy for me to remember. Sarah Gallion. There you go. I, I practice with Jeff Gallion. Uh oh. You work with your father-in-law? I do. Oh dear God. <laughs> he's uh, he's he's a great guy to work with. All right. <laughs> so no, truly, sure there's not anything else you want to say. Truly, about he is. No, it's it's great, and I work at the public defender's office with him as well. Um, great experience, great people there. Um, a lot of trial experience that a young attorney wouldn't get otherwise. A lot of time in the courtroom that another attorney wouldn't get otherwise. So, if you want to practice law in the in the true litigation sense of it, go work at a public defender's office or prosecutor's office. You'll be in court a lot. Get to know judges, get to learn how to file motions and argue different types of uh, cases, and uh, kind of get a good syst- uh, a sense of what the system is and and what's going on on a day to day basis. Because that's where that's where things happen. That's where trends happen. And um, so it's been it's been a great experience. I couldn't ask for more. So I'm going to just this isn't necessarily in the show notes here or what we have prepared, but just some questions about being an attorney in a, sure. in a small town. There's you know yeah. fifty thousand people in the county, yeah. so there can't be that many attorneys. So you've got like two or three judges, and we have, we have three courts. Is we that have, right? We in, have three judges that are elected. We have uh, we have judge, a ta- judge with them, Judge Crane and Judge McCord. Those are our county judges. Those are the county uh, and, circuit court judges. Do you, you don't probably you probably don't deal with anything in the town or the city courts, right? No, not typically. Um, those are mostly traffic, or they, if there's truly something criminal, those are going to the county you know, level my, courts. My friend um, uh, Mr. Lansinger is the uh, judge of the city court, so he deals with the uh, dog cases and those types of things. Uh, animal control. Exciting. Uh, very, yeah. <laughs> you haven't, uh, you haven't been before Judge Susan have, Bell over in Hagerstown. Have I have you? not yet, no. No, I stick mostly to, to Henry County. Uh, I'll venture out occasionally to, to Wayne County or Hancock County, Delaware County, but very rarely. Um, but no, we have, uh, we have three elected judges. We have one commissioner that handles, uh, child support cases, and, uh, those are the, the people that make decisions in our county. Uh, up at the justice center, so very good. Um, so, how many how many defense attorneys? Like uh, from the public defense side versus you know if it, if somebody if somebody needs to hire an attorney in town, are they coming to you anyway? Whether you're the public defender or not? Well, um, it it depends on a few things. Um, your your batteries, uh, misdemeanor batteries, or uh, drunk driving offenses, those types of things. Those are filed in circuit court number three, and so I am retained on any case that I take out of that court. And then it's kind of luck of the draw with the other two because those are major felony courts, so they're dealing with more of more serious offenses. Um, so there are a few uh, private defense attorneys um, in town, um, and we get uh, a fair share of the of the cases filed in Circuit 3, the, the misdemeanors and, and drunk driving cases and those types of things. But... Um, Primarily, your major felonies are going to be handled by your public defenders in any community, uh, just because the severity of the cases, the time it goes into it, it's just it, it would be at, would have at to your five hundred dollars an hour. Good yeah, luck finding I mean, somebody that's actually going to be able to afford. You'd, you'd afford. have to put you'd have to put a lot of resources towards retaining an attorney. Sometimes you have to make a decision: Do I want to bond out or do I want to hire someone? Usually, the, the answer is: I want to bond out. I don't want to be in jail while this is going on. Uh, so sometimes people have to make that kind of decision, but, um, we have four attorneys in the public defender's office. Um, I'm one of them that handle major felonies. Uh, and, uh, it's, 
those are the people that that typically are the ones that are going to be trying most of the cases in your locality wherever you are. Very good. So um, in the local paper, there was an article that uh, there was a fellow that I actually knew. I went to elementary school with a guy named Brian Kobe, uh, fifth and sixth grade. I went to Blue River Valley, uh, and uh, the fellow had just been, as I understand it, just been convicted of uh, uh, some sort of a, a, a. Well, he was he was set for sentencing, um, and then he was arrested again for a new offense. Okay. And for full disclosure, I do represent Mr. Kobe. Right. Can't really get into the details of the case, but um, can kind of enlighten on the, right. on the bond process. Yeah, or yeah. so else. more than anything else, I was trying to go over the high level. So as people mm-hmm. are listening, I, 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 when I when I had said, hey, I want to mention this, I, yes. I, I, yeah. I said, I don't want to, I didn't want to get into it if Sean was, if it was somebody that Sean represented, and, I, and it turned out he was because it's a small town and, you know, look at the draw. Um, but more than anything else, just the timeline of, you know, how, how is somebody that's been convicted, I guess if you're convicted, you don't necessarily stay in jail until you get sentenced. Well, if you, if you're, if you're arrested, I mean, if you're, if you're convicted, you're talking about doing some sort of sentence, whether that's a suspended sentence or an executed sentence to jail or the department of correction or some other facility. Uh, and in that instance, uh, the case was still pending. Um, the, U.S. Constitution and the Indiana Constitution guarantees the right to post bond in cases except for murder. Right. So someone can be held without bond on a murder case, but all other cases, regardless of what they are, there's some sort of bond, and that's set by a local bond schedule uh, based on the level of the offense, um, how many charges there are, uh, whether the person is from out of state, or whether the person lives in the state of Indiana, basically their risk of not showing back up to court. Right. I mean, you're you're ultimately wanting to determine: is this person a flight risk? Is this person a, someone that's going to potentially reoffend? Uh, those are the things that I mean. That's the spirit of why we have a bond. We have a split bond schedule in Henry County. We have a cash bond component and a surety bond component. So the surety bond is ten percent uh, goes to a bondsman. So is it is it always ten percent? The surety bond is always ten percent. Now I've heard okay. that the the rate is moving a little lower percentage wise. Oh, so okay. if if I the judge sets bond at a hundred thousand dollars, the guys the individual has to come up with ten thousand dollars to. If it's all surety, yeah. But in in our in our county, what they'll do is they'll split it so that there's some cash bond left over to pay for you know if the person's convicted, pay for court costs, maybe pay some attorney fees out of that, maybe pay. Um, some amount of money to the public defender fund so that we can run the public defender's office. Um, so it's in my, in my experience, that's a better way of doing things. Some of the other counties just do like a straight yeah. cash system yeah, and you're got to, you've got to post just a tremendous amount of money to bond out of jail, which I think is not, should it not kind of goes against about. the purpose of of right. guaranteeing a bond in our state constitution and national constitution. If you're going to set it so high that the people who are making the crimes can't post it, I mean, yeah, I mean, what, in effect, you're you're removing that right from from most people. So that's why you know the split bond works better because you have a bondsman who can be responsible for pro- producing that person to court, uh, but also a cash bond component. And ultimately, you're paying less overall uh, compared to jurisdictions that just have cash bonds. So in in this instance, uh, this individual posted a cash bond and a surety bond. 
And then there was a new allegation, a new arrest, and then that bond was revoked, meaning that they surrendered if, that. Even if he posts a new bond, he still can't bond out of jail. So right. if you <clears throat> if you violate uh, the terms of your bond, uh, expect that the courts will revoke that, and you'll be sitting in jail awaiting some other resolution or some other agreement with the state. Hmm. So gotcha. So back to the the Brian Kobe thing. The reason that I brought it up, put it in the show notes, um, is because I'm I'm a member of a lot of the groups uh, that have like on Facebook and stuff that have to deal with Henry County. Um, and you being a public defender, I mean, there was a lot of outrage surrounding this particular case, and that's that's the whole reason I brought it up is because, I mean. Doing what you do, there's got to be a lot of times where there is public outrage like that. And I mean, how do you how do you face a situation like that? Well, you always got to keep in mind that you, you know it's not about necessarily what they did. In, in order to do my job, it's about what the facts are, what the evidence is, what the law says. Um, you know, if you're negotiating a, a, a plea offer. You know, what the maximum is, what the minimum is, where can we find some common ground with the state? Can we work this out? Do we need to go to trial? Um, right. And ultimately, you're, you're there to be a safeguard to that person's constitutional rights. Right. And as, as somebody that's very like-minded with you all, um, that's m- my favorite part of my job is being able to assert my client's constitutional rights. Right. And rights I remember when you talked at the uh, our uh, area convention, you were the guest speaker at the Libertarian uh, Party District Convention. Um, she did a great job at, by the way. I appreciate that. But, Thank you. Uh, I remember you talking about that. Like... <laughs> From the live studio audience, we do have a Labrador. <laughs> yeah, uh, you were talking about how uh, that was one of the best parts about your job was guaranteeing uh, constitutional rights for your clients. Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that, um, you know, if someone's Fourth Amendment has been violated by illegal search and seizure, I get to assert that if there's... Uh, some issue uh, with, uh, say, like a, a resisting law enforcement or something like that about speech. There's right. there's potential free speech uh, implications there as well. Um, so that's that's what you have to keep in mind in all of these cases. Whether it's somebody that did something that you think really isn't that bad, like a you know maybe a marijuana possession, right. or if it's somebody that did something that you think is truly you know horrible, um, it. That doesn't matter. I mean, ultimately, everybody has rights or nobody has rights. Right, and that's uh, that's one of the biggest things for me. Whenever I talk about, whenever I talk to uh, coworkers, friends, family members, uh, that they they talk about, um, you know, what should oh we need to this person needs to be locked up. We need to bring bring back stocks in the square, you know, and yeah. public executions and all this stuff. And it's like, well. And it just it's just like that Michelle Carter case when whenever she was talking about whenever she was texting her boyfriend um, and she's telling him he should kill himself and he ends up committing suicide, which is a horrible, horrible atrocity. All of us can agree that that was a horrible thing. And she is a truly despicable person and she needs to have some type of psychological evaluation because of that. But she still has rights. She still has a right to free speech. She did not go into the car and start the car and uh, end up taking his life from him. She didn't do that. She still has rights, even though we hate her so much. And that is that is the biggest thing uh, 
for me as well to forget whenever it comes to uh, guaranteed freedoms. I think a lot of that public outrage too comes out of ignorance about how the system works. I, I think that you know if people could actually watch the judicial process on a day to day basis, not on, the way it is on TV, not the way it they think it should be, the sort of uh, retributive justice and actually experience the process or even maybe have been wrongfully accused themselves. I mean, that that's a life changing event to be wrongfully accused of a serious crime. Right. Um, that that can change or ruin your life. And people, the public, I think it's ignorance and it's a lack of education. I think that we sorely lack uh civics education in in our society i think people just don't know how government works and i think you guys are doing a great job uh bringing people in from local government to explain you know how how budgets work how how the justice system works how you know how these things operate how right. how local government works and while people we don't uh, think that. while we have a local budget official here oh, do, man. You, do you guys have enough money in the public defender's budget or do you want to make a pitch well you know. it's budget time <laughs> Uh, we, I'm not in charge of the budget. I just, <laughs> I, I get my paycheck as long as my paycheck keeps coming. No, I, I think that we, um, the biggest concern that I would have is just the, the caseload number as it relates to, uh, child in need of services cases, because those across the board, not just our county, but the whole state, we're looking at a huge increase in these types of cases. And all those cases require one, two, three public defenders. And it's, oh, wow. it's a huge time crunch and it's a huge, uh, burden on that office because there's only, only so many people to go around and only so much time in the day. So I, I guess in, in so far as that goes, that's, that would be my concern going forward. I think that, um, we are, uh, we are treated better than most counties in Indiana as a public defender office because we actually have an office. We have a chief. We have um, some accountability. It's not all just subbed out. It's not just all, yeah, it's just not all to, to the next guy on the list. There's mm-hmm. some continuity there, I think, that, that benefits the clients, and I think that we provide a public service that so most like, people don't need and it's most not like people better call, don't think about it. not like Better Call Saul <laughs> whenever he first starts out being a lawyer and he's a public defender. Well, I'm, in some localities, that's the way it goes. I mean, some yeah. counties, that's the way it goes. Um, I will oh. I will receive some conflict cases from if there's a conflict with other people. Sometimes they'll farm those out to local attorneys that way. But, yeah, the, the Better Call Saul thing where he uh tries the case with like three defendants yeah. and he he wants to get paid per defendant not per case and he's <laughs> yeah. fighting with the clerk i just love that yeah the uh there, there's actually a, a about 2 weeks ago i would say as we record this so sometime in in uh, one of the sunday mornings in in july the cbs sunday morning show uh did a whole profile on uh, public defenders i don't know if you saw it or I not know, i miss that uh, yeah. i'm sure it's still on their website but really good uh, going over louisiana and and some of the issues that they have down oh, there and the, yeah, and the number of caseloads and Covering uh, some communities where you know the public defender is just now meeting their uh, their clients as they're in the courtroom for the first time, and it's just oh, uh, wow. it's it's terrifying. It was awful, man, awful. And then, of course, they found so, a couple of cases where they were poorly represented and got and they were convicted and shouldn't have been. So it's just it, I it's something that's been in the news. So the timing absolutely. of you being here is, is perfect, and I'm yeah. sure it's always an issue. But there's definitely been some high level stuff, high profile stories on it. Um, yeah. 
I had to go refill my beer. I was out a minute ago. And I, I stole one of, Sean was here. He also had mentioned that he's into, uh, craft beers. So I got a local yeah. craft beer from, uh, some place in Ireland, I guess it is. It's called a Guinness. Yes. <laughs> I just thought it would go a little better with the, with the conversation and, and a little, little nod yeah. to one of my favorite podcasts, the Men and Blazers. There you go. Now this one is uh, different though. This is a Guinness drought. Is this a different specialty can or is this? Yeah, it's a, it's the same thing. It's just a special can today. It's and a, if you read on it, it says, I don't read. It says, uh, visual. That the can is meant to uh, celebrate the famed Guinness cam advertising campaigns of the 1930s through the 50s. Yeah. Oh. I just love their artwork. It's just it's beautiful. The the that's really cool. The drink is just perfect for conversation and and just enjoyment with friends. So well, we appreciate. You. I, I I completely okay. just went up there and stole one and took oh, it. Oh, absolutely. And that's I stuck the uh, stuck the other stuff in the fridge <laughs> so you, you so it'll stay cold. Did you uh, know that Jeremiah is a huge Guinness fan? I did not know. I that. am. Yeah, I've oh, got okay. the I've got the glasses and you know. Yeah, I can do an I, Irish I car bomb on the weekend I, as quick as anybody. I, when I came in here, I saw the the proper Ir- uh, Guinness pint. And That's right. Which one's was the new glass chair? Uh, it's in the dishwasher. I had oh. we had a, we had a small a small accident uh, with uh, young Tanner Purdue. Uh, very recently <laughs> turned twenty one and came over and destroyed one of my Guinness glasses. Oh, no. So I showed him the pack of four to buy, and he said, oh, "I can't do that. I'll just get you one glass." And he got me one. It's a it's the smaller version. It's the micro Guinness version. So oh, is it? Yeah. It's uh, it's so good for the twelve ounce bottle, but not the. It uh, won't the hold pint. the hold the full pint then. I haven't tried. You also brought Gumball Head, which is a true Indiana craft yes. beer. Yeah. yeah, so Gumball Head is made uh, by Three Floyds up in Munster, Indiana, yep. um, up in Lake County in the region. Up in the region, uh, so that was that was something that came to mind on on August thirty one, uh, a warm August day. Uh, no, but Indiana is just such a great hotbed for craft beer. I mean, there's great craft beer breweries everywhere. And I think uh, it just goes to uh, people wanting to exercise their independence, their individuality, their choice. And I think the market has totally responded to that. There's great craft breweries in Muncie. I would I'd, uh, suggest New Corner and the Guardian Brewing Company up oh, there yeah. make fantastic beer. And so it's it's right around the corner for people. And it's local, and you get to meet the people making your product and – uh, get a get to talk to them about the process, and it's it's educational. It's interesting to see their businesses grow. Um, and it's interesting to see their their workforce grow, and, and yep. see that that economic and it's development delicious side of things. On top of all of it, that <laughs> also helps. I've spent a lot of time uh, hanging out in Greenfield at the uh, Wooden Bear Brewery over there. Yeah, I've I, I, I like Wooden yet. Bear. Yep. I've never been there actually. Well, you've only been twenty one for six yeah. months, so yeah, I've, I've seen it a few <laughs> times, but I've never actually been there. Yeah, yeah. I've I've always wanted to go though. Um, but we do actually have an article talking about uh, talking about our craft beers, and uh, you know, we love them because we can have them. And just as you were saying, we were talking about uh, enjoying our freedoms to it, express your individuality. Um, you know, sit back with your friends, drink a drink a craft beer and a Coke Zero, play, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, basically how this all came about is. Uh, deregulation in the market um so in the 70s they deregulated airplanes and budweiser is that what happened yeah that that i mean that's pretty much what it is i mean if if nothing else jimmy carter should at least be known for this i mean amazing president billy beer maybe he did it for, <laughs> did he do it for his brother is it i always knew about billy beer but i didn't know this story that's coming i think i think that he's he's known for being one of the only presidents to have not won a re-election <laughs> but I think that he should be known for uh, deregulating our our 
uh, beer market. Do you know what Billy Beer was? I have no idea what Billy no. Beer was. It was the president's brother. Yeah, his, his, made, his beer brand. He made craft beer. Well, he made beer. Let's say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what craft beer was like in the seventies, uh, but Did, it probably wasn't anything close to the way it is today. Growing yeah. up, my grandfather had a can or two, and I think so. He, they he sold it nationwide. Like, yeah, he he lived in New York, and they were from Georgia or whatever. And my grandfather, uh, Poppy, had one, and I always remember how awful he said that it was. Of course, I don't know. He drove he drank Bush Light, so it's hard to know, <laughs> hard to know what he wanted, you know, what it, what it truly was. I'm sitting here drinking a hands, so I can't say anything. Yeah, you know, that's a Actually, craft beer. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, it's really light. It's refreshing. There you go. What more can you ask for? It's like drinking a water. <laughs> no, uh, okay, we need to get back to this craft beer story. Um, basically, uh, here's, here's what we have. Um, e, uh, a blogger by the name of E.D. Kane, uh, he uh, he's he's the one that wrote this about uh, Jimmy Carter and deregulating the beer market. Uh, there's a nice graph uh, that goes along with it too, as well. But uh, if you're if you're looking at this graph like we are, uh, it's it's showing the amount of breweries that are in the United States. Uh, basically, obviously uh, through 19 up to 1928, there like, was like none. Yeah, after of, pro- from Prohibition. Yeah, because of Prohibition. And then you've got like a big hockey stick. From 1979, yeah. when they deregulated, they went from having less than 200 breweries to about 2009 is where the data ends, and they've got just under 1,800 nationwide. And I bet we far, far surpassed that now in the last Absolutely. decade. It's been oh, yeah. just a, another phenomenal growth as people as it's caught on. Right. And that that's what his whole thing was. Uh Basically, because of prohibition, we were still uh, the government. I'm not saying we as a nation, but the government was still very uncomfortable with the idea of allowing its its citizens or its constituents to have alcohol. So, what does the government do if they're afraid of something? They regulate it. They regulate. We make them it go for before, before a planning commission before they can have chickens. Yeah. That, you're scared shout of chickens. Out, shout out to J- Darren Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, you're scared of chickens. Make people come up in front of Darren Jacobs and ask for chickens. And uh, if you're scared of alcohol, then regulate the market. So basically, um, that shut down any kind of brewing or anything that could happen uh, on a small scale. Uh, it's just like what we've what we've seen with car manufacturers in the United States, pretty much. Um, if you're a small auto manufacturer, you want to get into the game or you want to get into the cell phone game. You can't because you'll be you'll be dominated by the big dogs up top. It's it's so hard to get into that. Um, you just can't do it, and that's that's basically what the government did for uh, the breweries that had money. They were able to uh, upgrade their equipment. They were able to meet all these re- regulatory standards, and uh, therefore they were the only people that survived through our uh, our regulatory prohibition. The dog is just a terrorist. We need a new home, Dakota. And we're going to get this one is... by September 20th. Man. All right. So well, that's um, a... So Jimmy Carter, in 1979, decided that he was going to relax the regulations on the alcohol industry. And it's uh, basically like how we started um, uh, what we were talking about with Travis before the podcast even started. I had to take a second there to remember if that was on the podcast. What's or on the record or off the record? The, yeah. But uh, we were talking about that with him and uh, with with wineries. It started out with wineries. You know, uh, wineries are tourist tourist attractions. Um, 
they, therefore they can uh, bypass all these laws and stuff that were on the books for uh, for uh, alcohol producers. Um, and then essentially it, it ended up getting into beer. States started taking it over, and then now we have two or three breweries in every town in Middle America, and it's it's awesome. I mean that that is a great thing. If the next time that someone makes an argument against deregulation, that is that is the go to right there. Point to the craft beer industry, yeah. and it it creates jobs too. Clay, you this last your last council meeting, you had. Uh, uh, a group come in that uh, is growing hops. They're going to have the biggest hops farm in the in the state of Indiana, right here in Henry County. They already do, right. I guess, and they're continuing yeah. to expand the uh, yeah expand. Yeah, and that that's one that's one thing I was going to say. I mean, that's that's the thing, you know. Um, you know, obviously the the joke with me at the table with everybody drinking beer and I'm drinking the Coke Zero. But beer aside, um, one thing you see that's obvious is when you begin to deregulate. I mean, it opens up for you know, just the common guy to practice a craft or to um, use his hobby uh, to make an income for his family. And then who knows where it'll go from there. And it's like what you mentioned right here in Henry County. Um, you know, we got some hops growers um, that, and I, a, I don't understand. Wait, is it White Horse? Uh, crazy, crazy Horse. Crazy, crazy horse. horse Hops Farm. Crazy in Horse Town, Hops Indiana. Farm, yeah. Andrew, and there's is it Ryan Hammer? Man, I, I'm struggling. to, yeah, Hammers. Ryan Hammer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're wanting to expand. I mean, they've already got a huge, huge farm going. Uh, they've already um, sent their hops to several of these places, and um, they're wanting to be a again fuzzy on all the details. I don't understand it all, but um, they actually want to begin to um, process the hops. Right now, they send them somewhere else to be processed, and then they go from there. But they actually want to be one of the first ones. Uh, to actually process the hops, and so it's uh, which will only just expand what they're doing, and they're looking to uh, just in the next uh, few years to add add several uh, employees and really just kind of to kind of grow. And what, the thing is that there's a lot of potential for growth because they're the first one. Very good. So that uh, that covers the craft beer uh, portion of the show. This is the Boss Hog Liberty Podcast. Jeremiah Morrill, Dakota Davis. County Councilman and guest host Clay Morgan and uh, and our guest today, our featured guest, is the uh, the one and only Sean Rao. Uh, a couple other issues we want to talk about locally here. Uh, just yeah. a a funny little. If you read our paper, it's nonstop uh, humor, and I don't think I don't think Travis means for it to be or the or the folks over there. But August twenty third, I'm just going to read this out loud, and everybody can realize that I I, I put this is this should have been national news. Police report August twenty third. The Newcastle, Indiana Police Department responded to a harassment call, but took, but no offense took place. Friends were texting each other and started insulting each other about who was prettier and more attractive. <laughs> they were told to leave each other alone. It, does it not sound like like teenage girls? I really wish Sean had had to go to court over that. I, I would have loved to have gone to court <laughs> over that. I would have loved. I would have asked for a jury trial tomorrow. <laughs> let's go. Let's find a. Let's find a crime here. Subpoena. You can't S- subpoena you can't some text records. Yeah, just, you can't say things like that about my hair. What's I'm am- calling the police. Yeah. What's amazing is how common this type of stuff seems to be. I've, I've got officers that come in the shop, and they will. They will get called on because so and so said something bad about them on Facebook. Yeah. It's nuts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exhibit A, Becky's hair this week. Look at that. <laughs> awful. Just awful. Yeah. Nuts. Oh man. Yeah, so this I called to the stand Becky. Becky, your hair looks terrible. Does it always look like this? Yeah. 
I rest my case. Truth is an absolute defense. So, <laughs> so I mean, there you go. Oh man, the uh, luckily we didn't have to. They didn't get arrested and get put in jail because our, ours is apparently too small and we're overcrowded. We talked about that a little bit last week. Very much so. Very uh, overcrowded. So, what should we be doing? Like from from your position as a as a you're in this every day. Um. I'm a layman, obviously. Uh, I try to follow as best I can, but I'm a plucky rebar salesman that has a podcast. Thanks to deregulation, by the way, I couldn't have this 20 years ago because I would have had to buy my way on the air of the local 1550 radio station. I'd have 50 people listening at a week instead of you know, pushing a thousand um, all over the world. What uh, what should what should be happening? I know that they were going. They, a lot of the folks that are in the county jails now previously would have been at a state prison. So they would have been like at the Newcastle or Pendleton State Prison. And now they get they get to stay in Henry County Jail. Can, can I say, say one thing before we Absolutely. get on to the government side of things? Sure. Here's what always gets me, and I want to say something earlier. Like you were talking about the Chins cases, because mm-hmm. I've been hearing about the overload of our Chins cases, child in need uh, of services. And um, I, I do I understand we can't uh, regulate this or mandate this, but if people would just behave. <laughs> seriously just behave just have some common sense just get over it you know what i mean like like we just talked about the feelings getting hurt and you call the police give me a break people now my, my rant won't last long i promise but give me a break because the very people who cry against government and government over controlling everything and 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 taxes and you know then behave. Yeah. Yeah. A absolutely. huge portion of our budget goes to serve those people. To deal with the knuckleheads. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. that's my piece. Just <laughs> behave. Stop being stupid. Yeah. Okay. We'll yeah. just send, we'll send, start sending Clay out yeah. with a uh, right. little wooden paddle. There you go. And he'll just start spanking people. <laughs> hey, who, who was that one lady, that older lady over at uh, what, Scooters, you know? Oh yeah. yeah, Denise, yeah. you got a spanking apparently. <laughs> I oh, did. My. Oh my. Anyway, <laughs> no. Anyway, I mean, there's, there's a. I, I think it was uh, Daniel Tosh or some comedian said, uh, "Judges are parents for people who didn't have any or something like that." <laughs> I, some. That's true to some extent. It's, you know, we so much of what we do. If you just, if you just stayed inside in your house and you just didn't do certain things, you wouldn't be in the system. A lot of that is that. Um, a lot of it is just substance abuse. There's a good portion that's just mental health problems that we don't yeah, have I adequate. Agree. Right. We don't have any adequate system for that whatsoever in Indiana, uh, unfortunately. And um, that's much more of a problem than people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you're in the, if you're in my job or if you're a caseworker at DCS or if you're a prosecutor, if, if, if you're just the average person that has a neighbor, uh, that has a real significant substance problem or a significant mental health problem, you know that it will just keep going and going and going until either they get arrested or something else terrible happens to them. Right. So, uh, and then that creates more of a problem sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, we're talking about all this right now, and I happened across a post on Facebook. Um, it was a man who commented on a uh, Henry County Area Drug Task Force uh, post. <laughs> I saw this today. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to mention the guy's name, even though it's not scribbled out. It says, how about the law enforcement, the law enforcement do, us, do what us taxpayers hired them to do? 
Stop asking for help. LOL. Figure it out yourself and do your effing jobs. And then the Henry County Area Drug Task Force commented back on it and said, Well, apparently we have been doing our job, blank, blank. You have been involved with the police in some type of capacity 21 times in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Hilarious. Yeah. Well, I mean, back to your point about the jails, what do we do? I mean, there's no there's no magic bullet. I mean, we have good leadership here in the county. Um at, with the sheriff, with judges, with the prosecutor, um, we have good people that are working on this problem. Right. The problem is you have – it's just like any other problem with government. You have finite resources with a problem that can't be met by those. So well, it's, it's obviously not a Henry County problem. It's something we have to deal oh, with. Oh, no. I mean it's yeah. – But, you know, we all of our surrounding counties are building more yeah, jails. It, it's not It's not new to us. Rush County is building one. Delaware County is, is still in the process of looking. And if we don't – Marion County is trying to. If we don't, we're going to be shipping people up to these other county facilities and paying a very pretty penny to house those people there every day, every week, every month that the right. Henry County taxpayers probably aren't going to want to pay. Right. And whenever I was doing the research uh, for the, making the show notes and everything, and, you know, uh, we, we have a couple articles out here, but I I had the point in here about uh, the jails and what we should do about it. And um, so I just did a quick Google search, um, jails need redone in, in Indiana, just our state. And it was endless. Like it was, it seemed like, well, we have 52 counties in this. 92. State. 92. 92 counties. counties in Indiana. And it was, it, it just seemed like every single county was talking about how their jail needed to be either redone or needed to revamped. And I'm sure that some of them are passed and they have been redone or whatever. But I mean, it's, it's an endless problem that, that we have. I mean, and it's, and it's not because necessarily – I mean, it's it's really easy to sit back here and, as a libertarian, make the case it's because, oh, we have so many laws, more laws only make more criminals. You know, it, it's easy to make that case, but, if I we, mean – If we didn't uh, – if you were not – if a nonviolent offender, if we didn't put you in jail, that would – that would solve yeah. an awful lot of it, in and, my view. And once again, I'm, I went to business school. I, mean, I, don't, I don't disagree with that, but I think we also have jails are de facto mental health institutions now. We right. don't have nearly the resources for people that are mentally ill. Uh, we don't to have do county homes anymore. We don't have we don't have what was the Newcastle prison was a, a state hospital for that type of application. Whether or not you like the way that operated or not, those facilities just there aren't beds, there aren't facilities for people in those conditions. And, and, now. And, right. What Sean said, that's one of our major, major issues is we've, we've, and I know in the state of Indiana, I don't, couldn't tell you when it started, but over the years, funding was taken away from mental health. So over the course of time, by default, uh, the law enforcement became mental health. Yeah. And so now right. our jails are loaded now, with. Now with you're both. more, you're, our cops are more militarized than they ever have been, but they are also your your psychiatrists. Yeah, it, it, that's that's the way it is now. And it, like I, like I said, it's easy to make that case, and it's easy to make, draw the conclusions there. But another thing that needs to be thought about is how how much is, has our population in Henry County grown since the jail was built? I Not mean, that long because it's only been 1992. We're probably a smaller county than we were then. <laughs> But I mean, sadly, that that's got to be everywhere, though. I mean, our population is growing exponentially everywhere. I mean, it it just happens as time goes on. Yeah. 
and there's a, there's no way to like foresee that. Obviously, our jail, if our Henry County Jail was built in 1992, then it it shouldn't be so outdated to where we're at the capacity that we are now. But <clears throat> I mean, there's just there's things that need to be done with that. Yeah. Well, and and I could definitely talk on that, but uh, the question uh, to Sean and that that's I was interested in in hearing what he what he thinks about that because you know being on the council here locally we do have issues and uh, I've been in contact with the sheriff just the past couple of days and talking about shipping people out it's it's yeah. going to cost the county it's a pretty penny. it's going to happen yes we we are. We are facing some very uh, serious issues that can um, take a big chunk out of that county budget that's already hurting. And uh, so what do we do? It's a very, uh, there's no one answer, and it involves many different departments. Uh, but uh, you know, I was interested in hearing what you was getting ready to say about all that. Well, I, I, I think that we're, we're going to have to make a decision here. Are we going to build a new jail? Are we going to try to revamp some other facility that we already own like out at the park uh the former, shell building the, or, or <laughs> yeah, dakota, dakota's suggestion last week was the shell building the shell building well, it's, if that. it's good enough for delaware county isn't it good enough for henry county <laughs> we we like to think we're a little maybe maybe we just know. need maybe we just need president trump to pardon more people there you well, go. Well, if he starts pardoning uh, nonviolent drug offenders, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, he already pardoned <laughs> but, Sheriff Joe. But again, those nonviolent drug offenders are typically doing time in DOC. Now, what what right. the legislature has done, and the legislature has not helped us with this, is they push more pressure onto the county. So it's right. diff- more and more difficult for your level six offenders, who are by and large the most, the highest number of types of offenders because they're the lowest serious felony right. that there is they have to be housed in the in the county jail and back in the day you you could put them to the department of correction if it was a, a, a d felony under certain circumstances but um there it's just so much pressure based on what the legislature has done and now the doc population has decreased significantly so now we have facilities in doc that aren't all that full and we have a, county jails that are exploding. There was a hotshot legislator right. from southeastern Indiana in Brookville that uh, that was responsible for that, and he had a he had a good career going, and then he got up caught up in some sort of a uh, a terrible scandal as well. His career ended, uh, but he did leave us with that legacy. Well, I mean, and I, I know he was applauded at the state level for that because it was actually sure criminal. Is. The criminal justice it's, code was there were there were huge changes that yes. came through about three years ago. Yes, there were. Yeah, we went from A, B, C, D felonies to one through six felonies. So there's a lot more uh, – what I like about it is there's a lot more authority uh, and flexibility with the judges so that the judges – we don't really have mandatory minimums like you do in other jurisdictions like in federal court. Um, you don't really have people that have to go away for drug dealing for 50 years, you know, whereas under the old law, if you dealt drugs, if you dealt two pills or a pill – Within a certain area, three strikes and all, and that I mean, type you of thing, were, you were in trouble. Yeah, were, you I mean, were just you done. were you were facing up to fifty years for dealing one pill for five dollars. I mean that 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 is insanity. Yep. Um, and so, to their credit, they changed that, but to their detriment, they they said, "Well, we're going to save the state all this money because we're gonna we're gonna take all this. You know, we're gonna re- decrease the population of DOC, Department of Corrections, the, yes. the state jail, yeah, the state prisons." 
and we're just going to, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Well, I mean, it's still the counties that have to pay for it. It's still Indiana taxpayers that have to pay for it. And they just, they need to fix that immediately. Otherwise, a, we're going to run into significant crises with federal courts saying that you've got to fix this um, well, or, or worse. Or, we're already or seeing the forerunners of that. Yes. I mean, we're already, you know, it's kind of like, you know, um, education, uh, you know, legislature screwed around with education for so many years. Okay. Well, then now we're starting to see a shortage of teachers. It took a few years, but now nobody wants to be teachers. Right. Yep. And, and so <clears throat> it's the same thing. We have some issues that, that have been created, um, maybe good intentions, but they didn't look far enough at the repercussions. Well, like you said, we're seeing the forerunner of some major problems coming in the criminal justice system. And um, I, I appreciate uh, our state standing uh, economically. It seems like we always rank really high in black and white numbers. Uh, but one thing that I, that I do see at the local level is the state can, can brag about those numbers, but yet we have local governments and municipalities that are going into debt and having to borrow just to make it. And now with the criminal justice issue, again, we're seeing counties all over the state have some very serious problems with overcrowding and um, inadequate uh, housing. Well, we'll leave uh, we'll leave that issue there for now. For the, uh, <laughs> I, I, we're probably not going to solve the uh, the local jail overcrowding, but I wanted I wanted to highlight it a little bit and talk about it and try to try to gain an understanding. It's it's a continued theme for us and and from libertarian sides. Um, you know, we, we, we always view things as if you ended the war on drugs, there'd be a whole lot. The root issue of probably 80% of the people that get wrapped up are people that are either involved it, because something's illegal, it creates a black market. And then you end up mm-hmm. in this cycle, it, whether it's somebody that's buying drugs or you have violence associated with it, or it, it's more it, laws make more criminals. All of, all of these things come from that, whether, you know, I, I'm I never touched them, wouldn't touch them legal or not, you know, it, I have a private contract with my with my employer that says I'm not going to smoke marijuana. Whether marijuana is legal or not, I'm not doing it because I like my job. Um, you know, it, the fact that the government says I shouldn't do it doesn't doesn't affect that. Um, but there are people that that choose to ignore that and get in trouble. Or you know, we have heroin and all the other, you know the, the other truly terrible heroin and methamphetamine. Obviously, are, are the, some of the biggest issues that Henry County faces. I'm sure that that's a a massive part of what you what you see. Let me let me get one more thing in on sure. that. Um, we're looking for other ways to solve these problems. So um, locally here, we're starting problem solving courts. Um, I'm working with the prosecutor and, and Judge Crane on that, and it's been a great privilege of mine to do that. And we have a veterans court for veterans that that get into uh, a criminal trouble. Why do you have a different court? What what's that mean? It just means that it's. Uh, um, it's not it's not a separate court. It's still in Henry Circuit Court Number Two, but it's a separate program. So we have one that's just for veterans, and if they have a battery case or OVWI or you know if they're a habitual offender, whatever, um, you know we'll look at them and see if they're eligible for our program and potentially get them treatment, get them hooked up with services, get them hooked up with the VA. Um, we're looking at starting a drug court, so looking at more treatment rather than um, than not. And I can tell you privately, um, people that are involved with the system 
are very concerned about the population. They they understand that 200 people in that jail is untenable. And I think that they're trying to do that by changing that by putting more people in community corrections or um, probation or some other form trying to rehabilitate them. Uh, and I think problem-solving courts are, are things that um, can really help people because it's all focused on treatment. And if you don't do it or if you don't fall through you lose the privilege of being in that type of program. So I, I just think that there are people on all sides that are really trying to tackle this program very taking it very seriously. And and before we end that topic, that's sure. one thing I was I was gonna comment on is because um, I've sat around the table with Sean at some different on some different committees and it's one thing that one of my favorite things of being being a councilman has been uh it's given me access to the criminal justice system because it's for some reason, it's just near and dear to my heart. I just think there's a lot of things that could be corrected. Um, but I can't, I can say, uh, honestly with Henry County, we've got a lot of good people, whether it's in public defender, prosecutor, judges to probation, our officers. I mean, we have some pretty good, solid people. And when we come and we sit around that table, um, there's some very open discussion. And we have, uh, two things that, that I'm a part of that I think is great. Uh, deals with juveniles, juvenile detention alternative initiative, where yes. we find uh, some other alternatives instead of just throwing our juveniles and locking them up. Um, and then uh, also we have a, a criminal justice coordinating committee that has been established to uh, to deal with some of these issues that Sean has just talked about. And and uh, it, it's just it's great that we have some uh, like minded people. Um, serving here in Henry County in the criminal justice system. So I think in the future we could definitely see some progress. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's just let's just hope we can we can uh, tackle this problem because people are trying, we're putting our best effort t- towards it and let's just see where it goes from here, take it day by day. On juvenile detention. Yes. Um I see that as a tremendous thing. Uh, you know, I'm on the council and I try to advocate for that. You know, we got some funding issues there. And so I'm trying to prepare for the future on that, uh, as far as just being an advocate. Obviously, I'm just one of seven. But, um, and the commissioners have to play a big role in that also. Um, I see that as a tremendous thing for our future. Mm, yeah. I mean, we've already seen some minor changes. Yeah. And the reason I say minor is because we just have such a low population. And we don't detain many, many kids exactly. in general. Exactly. So do you, do you see what I see, though? Do you see that as long as we can continue in this process, the meetings you've been involved in, that it's going to make a very positive impact? I think so, because, I mean, you know, juvenile cases, that's, that's the first uh, involvement with the system. And you hope it's the last that these kids have. Uh, and we try to detain less kids, uh, than, than unless we have to. I mean, it's sometimes children, children, juveniles, juvenile delinquents need to be removed, uh, yeah. because they're a danger to themselves or a danger to somebody else. But by and large, you know, your, your run of the mill marijuana possession kid doesn't need to go to emergency shelter. Right. Uh, he doesn't need Absolutely. to go to some other non non secure facility, and uh, I think that that uh, the juvenile probation. I got to work with them, uh, those people for a few years when I started. They're fantastic, and they really do care about kids. And um, 
you know, I think that that, that initiative, uh, Judge Willis started with that. Yeah. And yeah. she, she really had a heart for kids, uh, while she was here. So, uh, and still does over in Indianapolis. So. Dakota's gesturing right. wildly. So we'll, we'll yep. turn the floor over to him. We're just, yeah. <laughs> we have to move on. Yep. We're going to talk about Hurricane Harvey. No, we're not. We're going to talk about Sheriff Joe. Oh, we're going to talk about Sheriff yeah, Joe. Yeah, we'll cover now. that real quick. So the old man okay. uh, made people wear pink underwear in uh, in Arizona. He uh, he he was he he defied a judge's order in 2011. Was found in contempt of court. <laughs> uh, lost an election. Was convicted, and uh, and then uh, our president, uh, in his busy schedule, flew down you to know, Arizona and. Uh, I just think that is a horrible thing. And got involved. <laughs> First president to uh, to get to issue a pardon in his first year since uh, George H W Bush, and uh, I guess it would have been nineteen ninety. Really, I had no idea. That's yeah. interesting. It's uncommon. I, did you guys see his speech that he gave about it? Um, yeah, well, the one where he mentioned some of the Clinton pardons, and yeah, the Obama pardon. Yeah, I, I saw I, that. I will say this: that is the most presidential I've ever seen Donald Trump. <laughs> he became president today. <laughs> he, no, really, he was. He was very professional. He handled oh, yeah. himself yeah. in the speech well. I mean, typic, I in a typical Donald J. Trump speech, you're going to hear him say, well, my people are telling me, unlike what you people are doing, which is spreading fake news, my people know what they're doing. You do not know what you're doing. That That's a typical Donald J. Trump speech. Speech. He didn't do that. He was very professionally, but he—I mean—he did call out uh, some of the pardons and uh, questioned the pardons of uh, Hillary or not Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, and. Uh, and well, this uh, this is Barack the thing with, with Trump and his supporters. It's the what aboutism. What about what Obama did? What about what Clinton did? It's like yeah. no. Let's look at the thing that's that, going that's on the only right thing now. I let's, yeah. Let's not look at the fact that this guy <laughs> yeah. stepped on the Fourth Amendment rights of damn near everybody in Maricopa County, Among Arizona. Everything that he's done. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's. I, I thought it was disgraceful. I thought that um, there was just no way. There was no remorse shown, which is usually something that presidents expect people to show. Is you know, I'm sorry for what happened. Just pure defiance, and it's just he just pardons his buddies like it's a, a banana republic dictatorship. Okay, but was okay, and okay. Here's okay. the deal. I yeah, Joe Pesci I, over here in the corner. I, Do you know who Joe Pesci is? No, <laughs> no I have no idea. <laughs> Did you ever watch Home Alone? Yeah, Harry and Marv. Yeah, he's the guy that got burnt. Oh, okay. And he was also in a number of gangster movies. But anyway, I, mean, I knew say, you'd get the Home Alone uh, one. Yeah, the I, good I got the Home Alone. Yeah. The first. Well, no, for him though, for, <laughs> for he, him. somebody of his age. <laughs> no, uh, the, the uh, oh, I, man. I don't know. A lot. I'm getting too old for this shit. Uh, <laughs> Mel Gibson and uh, Danny Glover and Joe Pesci were in uh, all of the Lethal Weapon movies too. Really? Yeah. Wasn't he in Lethal Weapon? I don't know. I can't. I can't. Oh, anyway, one way or the other for that, I don't remember. Okay, Clay, can you help me? I, I I don't remember Pesci in. Well, I don't remember him in Lethal Weapon. Yeah, no, that's why I was trying to think yeah. too. Yeah, I don't. Remember maybe that. I'm going crazy. Oh man, yeah. I think okay. It's anyway, been a long time. I'll, I'll look it up. Okay, Dakota, to continue time. on with your show with with, with your show. <laughs> I, your I co-host. I don't know much about this whole situation. I read a Reason article about it, um, and basically it was just talking about how we need more presidential pardons than anything. Lethal Weapon two, three, and four. Ah. Not the first one. Not the but, first one, though. Okay. Okay. So we're talking about Sheriff Joe here. He's an old man. Uh, he lost his election. He has no power. 
what he's what, like 85 years old yeah what does what did pardoning him hurt like what did it or is it more of a symbolism thing well it, it hurt i think her reputation in in gen- with with people uh with the hispanic community with people that care about the rule of law because he he was convicted in federal court for con- criminal contempt not just like a civil indirect contempt of court like where you you know give the judge the finger or whatever he's talking about criminal contempt meaning that right. there was some some mentality of criminality that he would he would not follow that court's order and trump in my mind he does not care about the rule of law whatsoever i think that he cares about getting the outcome that he wants i think he cares about um trying to to use his sort of tabloid uh, strategies on judges, on lawyers, um, in order to get his way. I think that he was just totally thumbing his nose at the federal judiciary, uh, which, you know, they have long memories too. So, you know, he, he needs to keep that in mind when he's doing that to people. Uh, just like the, the judge in Indiana that he said couldn't be fair because he's Hispanic or, or whatever the case was there. Uh, is, Do you you think the Trump thing was more of a somebody's known as judges, or do you think it was more of a Barack Obama thing? Kind of like Barack Obama's the one that did this. I'm gonna or a kickback uh, to 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 an early supporter. The judge that convicted him was a a Republican conservative. I mean, he was somebody that yeah he was he wasn't an Obama appointee. mm -hmm, Um, you Who know, prosecuted him. It was it was prosecuted the by government. the by the like the, the Arizona District Court. Or yeah, something. U.S. U.S. Attorney's yeah. Office out there. Um, so, mm-hmm. to, okay. to me, a lot of Trump's mentality goes back to Obama because that's where I think he got really political was with the birtherism and with the mm-hmm. with the other stuff. So that's always going to be somewhere in his id mm-hmm. to to, uh, yeah. to to motivate him. But I think at the end of the day, he was great friends with with Joe Arpaio. Joe Arpaio is one of his first supporters, um, yeah. and he was going to you know help his buddy out. And that's just not I the mean, way a president should act. Did you see the? Did so, you see whenever he was talking about him at the rally though? And he's he says uh, he's talking. Of course, it's a rally of his supporters. So I mean, what what do you expect? But he's he's like, what what does everybody think of Sheriff Joe? And oh, the right, guy's like. Yeah. He tells him, Sheriff Joe, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah, and he goes, I'll tell you, Sheriff Joe has absolutely nothing to worry about, and I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> Just stay tuned. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to do it now because I think it would be bad press. Clay, are you ready to condemn the pardon of Sheriff Joe yet, being, <laughs> What's a, be, being the, the good know, Republican I, soldier you are, I, or do you have yeah, to wait outside? You know, well, I'm, I'm just processing it all right now. Listening you, have to, to the, you have to check the, with Mark Warner and I'm see if you're allowed. The, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm really taking in the legal experts' uh, opinion here right well, now. So. He, he legally absolutely could do that. I mean, that's not yeah, that's right, not right. something it's that I, within his I would purview. Contest. Absolutely. Sure. Now, whether he should do it or whether he, you know, what that means when he does that, he can pardon any federal prisoner he wants. Yes. And now, if they're convicted any, in a state court, he can't do right. that. But any that's, federal, the, the, yes. the state courts are would be Governor Holcomb or Governor Kasich in Ohio or any or, any or whatever. Somebody state. got convicted of possession of methamphetamine in Henry County, Indiana. He can't do anything about it. Right. But I, I just think that it, it just sends such a signal to people, leaves such a bad taste in their mouth when he does it on the, I think the Friday as the hurricane is hitting Houston, Texas, and he decides he's going to do that because it's yeah. going to give him good ratings or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's exactly Come what he said. On. Like, that's his words. He says, 
I knew, I did it Friday because the hurricane was hitting. I knew all the news stations would be running and people would be watching the news. And I'm it's, like, it's despicable. Oh my god, it's despicable. It's just it's and, so callous. It's so he's so calculating. He's not a dumb person. Like people oh, think he's an not. idiot. He right. he is no. not an idiot. He knows how to sell people. I think you're, the word you use, calculated, is that's a good word. He just he he's been playing this game since the '80s with the New York tabloids and trying to you know he's in trouble now financially and then he's out of it and then he's you know he's starting up this new casino and then he's getting in trouble with this and somehow he always gets through these things and he's he's a survivor he's a he's a political survivor um, and he's somebody that just never went away and uh, but. I, I, with this, yeah, with I'm, this pardoning, I just, I, I can't see. And that, that was such a good point that you made about uh, the effect that it has. It leaves the taste it leaves in the mouth of people in Hispanic communities who were, you know, maybe they're starting to come around because maybe their, maybe their dad or somebody is a came over here illegally or something, but they have a small government mindset or they have a more conservative mindset. So they start thinking maybe what Donald Trump's doing is not that bad. And then they get punched in the gut by this, you know, like, I think he told him he was building the wall. I think (laughs) (laughs) we're going to build the wall and make Mexico pay for it or else we're going to shut down the government unless they don't, the government doesn't pay for it for me. Oh man. So, uh, we'll move on. We'll ungracefully move on from the president. All right. Who did, who did make, Harvey. who did make a trip to, uh, to Houston, I guess. But, uh, a lot of different media sources are oh, covered. Oh, those shoes that Melania wore. No, I'm just. She wore tennis shoes. Let's talk about the shoes, guys. <laughs> no, that was a, that was a real coverage. article in Vogue. I, I saw she got yeah. on the, uh, she got on the plane wearing high heels, chain shoes, and wore tennis shoes, whatever. Yeah. We've got bigger problems in the world. Yeah, did you see there's, the, there's did price you see gouging. the picture of the woman who wrote the article? No. She looked like she came out of a cartoon. Did you see it, Clay? Yeah. Yes, I saw. I saw the picture. I it was uh You read the Vogue? I do not. <laughs> but I did see the uh the picture, the headline and uh Oh I I, so I was wondering if it was not real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it's like so Crazy that I yeah. was wondering if it was a joke. It, it, it's hilarious. It's yeah. so funny. There, there's never been a more accurate picture. Like if if you were to Google feminism and Google images, <laughs> this lady's face would pop up. I mean, we've all seen that satire video with the lady who says, "You know, I cut my own bangs asymmetrically, and it helped me conquer my white privilege." I'm I'm pretty sure that she did that unironically. <laughs> <laughs> that this is her it, it oh that's so funny i don't know it, it, it th- those sorts of things they're fun they're, they're they're fun little stories but i i don't care um th- th- there was a, a a story that came along best buy and some other people there were uh, have been selling water at uh at at marked up prices uh, and everybody gets up in arms and freaks out and flips out and says, so you're, you're price gouging. Yeah. You do it with gasoline. You do it with, with water and, um, nobody complains. First of all, if you, if you charge $3 for a bottle of water at Disney World or at a football game, but, uh, you're the water that you normally sell for a dollar a bottle in, uh, in a Walmart, all of a sudden, if you charge it for $4 or $5, um, oh, it, it, it's a huge freak out. And the, uh, the government tries to step in and say you're price gouging and you're not allowed to do that. And the, uh, 
I guess the libertarian viewpoint on that is that you're actually kind of the hero, Clay, if you do price gouge because you create scarcity or you, you create a market. Uh, it's just like if you have a uh, – if, if you're trying to get a hotel room. Now, Dakota and I, we're planning a bachelor party, and uh, it's market-based pricing. We're, we're going to have a bachelor party for Dakota in, uh, in November. It's a football weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. Normally, a Airbnb is $89 a night, but because it's a football yep. weekend – Yep. We're paying $250 plus the fees each night for this for the place. So instead of us getting four or five rooms and everybody having their own space, we're getting one place, and we're going to cuddle, going to cuddle up real nice, and Dakota's going to finally <laughs> get to watch me sleep. sleep. I thought this place had three bedrooms. It's got three beds. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe Dakota will sleep. It's all negotiable. That night. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps. At least one of the nights. At I some point. It. I, I don't it. know if I can go like 80 hours straight. You've never seen content, Jer. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Maybe if you come for Chris Bengel's birthday here in a couple weeks. Right, Clay, right. You'll, uh, you'll I get to. I saw that. I saw that. We, we gave you the official invitation. I, Sean, yeah. you can come too. I, yeah, I've, I've got the invitation in my <laughs> inbox. Yes. Your boy, I, had to, I had to figure out what it was first. Your boy, ba- <laughs> uh, the Bash Kreider came to one. The Bash Man. Time. Yeah. I'll bring him next time. You should. He's been here before. Yeah. We may actually, uh, big festival coming up for Henry County. He's, uh, he's, he's yes. grilling over in, uh, yes. Dublin, I guess, the Dublin Pike Festival. And yeah. he's no, got yeah. his, uh, uh his Farmer's Pike. Farmer's Pike. Aunt Farmer's Pike. Pike. Yes. Have to be clear about that. Between here and Dublin. Yes. So if he wants a barbecue, go out to Farmer's Pike Labor Day weekend. That's right. I go out, the I go man. out, I go out to Farmer's Pike to get the, uh, the he buys app. the, <laughs> he buys the puppy milk dogs. I did last year. Um, <laughs> But I usually go because they have there's a little food truck there, and they have alligator gumbo. Oh, that sounds oh, good! Oh my god, that sounds really good. It is so good, yeah. like the perfect amount of spice, and you know, alligator is really good, and it it is that's good stuff. All right, so we always get distracted by shiny so objects. So speaking about Creole food, no, we're not done with my story yet. You calm down. We're wait, talking about price gouging. Price gouging. Price gouging first. So we were talking about how for your, your bachelor party, we're gonna we, we're paying an ex, ex, extra fee. And what yep. that does is it creates us instead of taking up three or four rooms in a weekend where people need rooms, we're get, we're buying one because we're paying the market price. What the market says it'll do. If the market price were half, we would take two rooms or we would take two two groups. Same thing happens with water. Same thing happens with fuel. So if you're allowed to go in and say, "Hey, fuel prices are spiking right now," instead of being two fifty a gallon, we're going to charge you six dollars a gallon. Clay, you're not going to fill your tank. You're going to get exactly what you think you need to have and no more. Until prices come back down, and it's rationing. Government doesn't come in and ration for you. The market does it, and it's a perfect market. You know, and, and yep. if you, Sean, if you charge too much money for for your lawyer fees, what's going to happen? Thousand uh, dollars an hour. Thousand dollars an uh, hour. Well, who's going to Who's going to support you? Nobody's going to support me. Well, right. the government might. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. When there's not a market, then they'll, again, they'll pay what you say. Those fees are set anyway, so there you go. But, and that, that's one point. That, that you made that a lot of people don't think about because they're just thinking about themselves and that four dollar water bottle. Right. You know, in reality, does it make that store or that seller more money? Sure. And I think that's the problem with some people. There's because they're greedy. Let's face it. A lot of sure. people are just greedy and they're like, well, if 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 I can't have it, they can't have it. So you know, you also have the guy that says, but, hey, I live in I live in Southern Illinois. And I can go to my Walmart, and I can put it in my truck, and I can take this water, and I can drive sure. into a dangerous place. Right. And it's going to be worth my time and effort to truck this water 800 exactly. miles or 1,000 miles, and I'm going to go sell it for $4, and I may make $2 sure. a piece on it. But damn it, I've provided a service by sure. putting something somewhere that it would not have been anyway. Sure. And the only reason I do that is because I'm going to get more money. If I go down right. there and then I get arrested <laughs> in the state of Texas or charged because I'm charging too much money for water – 
then I have absolutely no incentive to do that the next time if there's a hurricane in Florida or or Mississippi or Louisiana or Texas. Well, and it and it helps uh, again to emphasize on the point you were making. It just it helps more people in this case get water, right? Instead of one family buying up at the all the water, everybody gets some water. Exactly. And you've got the opportunity. Of course, people can come down and donate, and the, the, the sure, private community exactly. steps up and does exactly. that as well. Well, and, but, and, and I, I heard this case presented today as a show I was watching, uh, The Blaze. Um, they were talking about... Uh, I'm not very, familiar with The Blaze. What's that? that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were talking about that very thing. And uh, the point they was making is, is look, if, if, if there was a kid sitting here dehydrated, and they're selling water for $10. Do you think they're going to demand $10? They're probably just going to open up a bottle and give the kids some water. Of course. You know what I mean. So People are going to take care of people. That, to me, and this is, this is the philosophy that drew me into libertarianism. And it was uh, one of the videos that Austin Peterson put out. Austin who? Austin Peterson, who is now running... Uh, for, uh, He's running for the U.S. Senate in, US uh, Senate. in Missouri as a Republican against yep. uh, Claire McCaskill. Yep, and uh, but he ran for president, uh, ran for in the presidential primary, I guess is what you would call it, for the Libertarian Party in 2016. And uh, he, in one of his videos, he he talks about um, uh, libertarianism, volunteerism, and free markets, and he says mm-hmm. the basis of the core basis of my belief is the belief that people are inherently good. Mm-hmm. No one wants to see another person fail or another person be miserable. And I believe that everyone has it in them uh, to want to help take care of their fellow person. And that like that resonated with me so quickly as like that yeah, that's true. Like no one wants to like no normal person in our our highly functioning society says i would like to see people be miserable you know like that if you do that then normal being the key yeah. word the psychopaths yeah. <laughs> psychopaths feel like so they that's want the, people to be happy but you want you want to set up society <laughs> if, as we're doing the master planning here dakota you want to yeah. set up society <laughs> in a way that that's set up for the vast majority of people and you need to deal with the people that are on the fringes but as, the, as necessary the, when people the like sean point, and sean get involved right. the, the main point in that is that people can be trusted Whenever it comes to situations like this, breaking news: This is all the football game is already over by the time you get this. But uh, I believe the IU Hoosiers just took the lead against the took number two the team lead. in the country, seven to three with seven minutes it's to play in the first, first quarter. quarter. That's not yeah, knocking yeah, knocking on wood like wood, like none yeah. other. But yeah. uh, should have been down there, Sean. Lee yeah. Corso's partying on the sidelines, and the Hoosiers are uh, are doing all right in the in the. In, right. in the legacy Here's, of Trent Green, let's, let me give let's a couple, talk about how couple thoughts about okay. price gouging. Does it matter if it's an individual versus a Best Buy that doesn't necessarily care or need the money? The individual that sells like a uh, generator for two times what it's worth, I, I kind of get that. Sure. Uh, the corporation that sells it that already makes millions and if not billions of dollars, right up on why? your microphone for me, Sean. Why? Yeah. Because it's, you still only have a limited amount of inventory. I don't care that, that they're making a profit. I care that they're setting a market price so that it's going to efficiently allocate the resource. 
if you only have 500 cases of water okay. in your store and you sell it at your you – know, the price you sold it for a week before the hurricane came through and and Billy Bob comes down and buys it for, and, and wants to just store it and keep it and isn't going to get it in the marketplace, you want to make it to at a point that he is going to only buy what he needs. Mm-hmm. And that's what the that's what the free market does. Okay. So that Best Buy the, – the, the resources right. that Best right. Buy has are properly allocated right. okay. by the free market. I don't care. I don't care who owns it or who actually controls. You know, it, we're talking about a, a fraction of the profit. You know, if they if they doubled their price, who cares? Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a very emotional thing, but if you take emotion out of it, it just kind of is what it is. Right. If you apply logic, but it's the same. It's the same model yeah. Uber uses, right? Yeah. If you go, if you go use right. a, you, yeah, you use pricing. Uber on a Saturday afternoon in Indianapolis, you might pay five dollars for a ride to go a, a mile or so. But if you if you want to go use Uber on a Sunday after a Colts game and get picked up from the same location, it might cost you thirty dollars to take that ride mm-hmm. because there are only so many cars around, and the pricing says the people that really need a ride right now are going to pay it, and otherwise they'll wait fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, an hour, and they'll get a ride later when the when the supply and demand have corrected themselves. And, right. and does it matter that the the price gouging statutes typically? are anchored to some sort of state of emergency or some other declared national emergency. It's not like, you know, they really care what you're selling water for when it's a sunny day, right. but, you know, when everybody's underwater, mm-hmm. does that matter? Does that factor into what, I, what you're saying? Or? I think the price gouging laws ought to be gone. I'd, across it, the board. Of course, across the yeah, board. Yeah. The market will take care of it. Yeah. And then if you're a bad actor, I will use my platform, my podcast. You travel, so write about it in the paper. Everybody has Facebook. Everybody has Twitter. Everybody has Snapchat and Instagram. Yeah. We can we can publicly shame you if you mm-hmm. truly are bad. Right. And we say that Best Buy is awful and they have terrible practices. Then we're going to shame them, and the there, market's going to fix that too. There has never been a more efficient time for free market capitalism to take root and work as intended, other than the 21st century. Because With, of communication, right? Okay. The availability to right. uh, of the pen, uh, so to say. Sure. Sure. So I don't know, Dakota. You had you had another a, another direction you're trying to drive us here. I just wanted to talk about. The, I'm uh, off of my soapbox. You okay. can you can now step up on it, sir. All right, and now we're getting a little bit farther away from the the po- the political side of things. We're just going to talk about the cold hard truth, and that is uh, as the politics isn't the truth. <laughs> What? Well, it just depends on what. I've been spitting truth all night. <laughs> There's truth bombs everywhere. Truth bombs left. And right. It's been dropping more truth bombs it than George like, W. It, in the Middle East. It smells like Riley's been dropping other kinds of bombs throughout here. <laughs> no, this is a uh, uh, basically comparing uh, Katrina to Harvey, and I came across it, this article that was like packed full of so many like golden information nuggets today, and I couldn't resist putting it in our show notes but uh i guess new orleans is actually is not as big of a town as what i thought it was and has anybody here ever been there i never have i believe we have an arrangement that we're going to go next year to go going next year you and i first time together me and you and our lady and our ladies we're gonna uh, we have a a, a sworn blood statement that we're going to throw up on bourbon street together the first night Nope, uh, but I guess that uh, whenever Hurricane Katrina hit um, in New Orleans... You'll bring um, the baby, right? There's not going to be a baby. $50 but, on the line. Yeah. There will, there's only like 455,000 people there. 391,000 um, is what I'm showing. That is a tiny city. I don't know what it was yeah, pre, and today, pre-storm. 
Well, pre-storm it was four hundred fifty-five thousand. Today it's it's below four hundred. Yeah, is what I have. Okay, but uh, um, Houston, fourth largest city in America, is boasting a population of more than two million people wow. at yeah. the current time. So um, there's a huge population difference there, which is just incredible because I I had no idea that totally blew my mind because I've never been to either city. So I had no I idea. I changed what planes to at Houston Hobby once. That's the extent ah. of my time at Houston. Ah. But, which uh, I believe you need to snorkel at right now as well. Yeah. Unfortunately. But uh, Katrina was also a Category 3 storm. It measured 350 miles across. By the time it had already hit land, and they decided that they thought they might have categorized it wrong. <laughs> so it, it was possibly a Category 4, but officially it's a Category 3 storm. Measuring 350 miles across, um, Hurricane Harvey, whenever it made landfall in Rockport, Texas on Friday, was a Category 4 storm and measured 200 miles across. Um, it was expected to linger for days, but the National Weather Service said, This event is unprecedented and all impacts are unknown. Which is scary if you're living in Houston. <laughs> you know, like, what does that mean? Like, we're, we have a hurricane that's... That's going to be more severe than Katrina coming to hit us, and the National Weather Service doesn't even know what's going to happen. Um, and so the expectation is that this storm is going to be the most expensive in U.S. history, more than Hurricane Sandy, more than right. which was the the storm yeah, uh, during Obama's administration yeah. in, in New York, in New Jersey, more than Katrina, more yeah, than they the were last storm in Houston. Casualties in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Is it is what I Wait, no, no, gather? No, no. That's not possible. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands of deaths. Close. That's what they were. That's what they were told to prepare for. Okay, I don't think they're at that point yet. No, no, they're no. Here's, that's they're what, at like fifty or a hundred at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's unfortunately. what, that's well, what I mean, we're getting to. Well, um, you can infer what you want. Katrina mm. was responsible for one thousand eight hundred thirty-three deaths, and uh, I personally have had the opportunity to work with a lot of people that went down there after the hurricane to help restore power, help restore service and things. I heard Joel Osteen went down to New Orleans. Did he? No. <laughs> Another but, uh, hurricane he failed to react to. Um, so like I said earlier, when you get real passionate about a subject, there's always Jeremiah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's always <laughs> Jeremiah coming in to throw you off. And uh, um, But these guys were were talking about how they would be um, they're trying to trying to work, and they would be next to what was supposed to be a very shallow like creek or something, and it was a huge river bank, and there were dead bodies floating. Yeah, I've as heard that. as they're trying to work, and uh, they they said there were they ha- there's a picture hanging up in our office of a McDonald's straw that is stuck into the side of a pole because the winds were so strong, wow. and I mean that's incredible to me, but. Um. Anyway, one hundred or one thousand eight hundred thirty-three deaths. Um, it also inflicted more than one hundred billion dollars in damage. Um, it left three million people without power across the region. The uh, the worst part of these storms isn't the wind. Like it, you know, a tornado here, you know, obviously right. wind is destructive, but it's the rain and the water and the flooding. Yeah, absolutely, is what what truly causes the devastation to these areas. So there's at the time that this was written, um, there was just over ten deaths. I don't know if it's gone over that. Yeah, what? I think they're closer to forty now. As okay, the, but it, it'll, it's going to take months to to have actual numbers, right. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but obviously, uh, Houston's economy is uh, 
is obviously in a lot of oil and natural gas. Mm-hmm. Um, it says right now that it doesn't appear to have been seriously compromised because they had a lot of uh, procedures in place and um, safety measures to help protect them and their uh, the integrity of their system, which is like actually really interesting to me because I I the company that I work for also uh, produces natural gas. So it's that is like so interesting to me to I really want to read more into what they have in place to keep um Blank of Earl Electric I believe is the name of the company, right? What? <laughs> Earl Electric? Yeah. It's a song. Anyway, uh, I've never heard it. I know. You're, you're, I worked for a company called Sydney Electric once. No. No. I also worked for a company called send Houston. Me, send me electric? Sydney. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I also worked for Houston Electric. Oh. oh. There you so go. There we go. And there are 300,000 people out of power currently. I know. Yeah. also know some people that are going down there. There'd be some overtime available down there. I If they called me tonight and said, pack your bags, you're going to Texas... <laughs> I would be gone. You're going. Yeah. I would love to do that. I just, was, it's just the Jeremiah and Clay show here for a couple of weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was begging. I begged my boss to let me go down to the Carolinas whenever they had their bad uh, tropical storm. Nothing. Few quick, a few, few quick things on, on the hurricane that Certainly. I think has helped us uh, see is one, um, you know, in, in, Putting everything in perspective, it shows that Americans are good at our heart. There, there have been an incredible amount of pictures and videos of people pitching in exactly. and guys with bass boats that have been lined sure. up trying to get down there to rescue folks. Let's take yeah. your bass boat down there, yeah. here. So if I didn't have such a busy weekend planned. And, and it goes back to what we say where people want to help people out. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it really shows the heart of who, who we can be. Um, and the other thing is, uh, we don't know the impact. I mean, you know, it's going to have in the next few months to come. Uh, obviously, there, but even across our economy, um, what it does to oil prices, things like that. You know, there's other things at play there. Um, and then um, I had some really good points I was thinking of here as I, as we were talking about that. If I could just recall them right now, so you know, but I was trying to give Dakota his due, but. But no, the other thing I was going to say is this, because um, I, I do remember, is preparation. Honestly. I mean, uh, you know, e- preparation. You need to have your Glenn back you food got, storage bags you ready do. to go. <laughs> you need have to that have bug out bag, folks. dried food and your hey, water I got a, ready. I have a bug out bag in the trunk right now. There you go. You never know. It's got five days of food for me and Audrey, and it's got water purification tablets, a life straw. What about the rest of us? Um, yeah. Oh, we're on our own. You're on your exactly. own. Exactly. I got <laughs> I got room for me and Audrey and my dog. I got a I got a couple bags free jars. You're food. down I'll a dog. You think you could have a, a co-host with you? Uh, she's a big dog. I'm a big co-host. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, back to Hurricane Harvey here. Um this is something I found really interesting. Um Houston did not call on residents to actually evacuate the city um there they were calling on people to uh, stay in shelter uh in place where they were so I, I, the last time they had a major storm i believe houston did ask people to evacuate and it did not right. go well i think no. houston's a city that's just too big to evacuate is what they've learned yeah 
and, and it just they are, didn't. They were going to have people sit stuck on the interstate, which then later, I mean, they look like river channels. Unfortunately, exactly that that was the whole concern with everything. The traffic was going to get backed up on the interstates. The interstates were going to flood because the uh, the waterways that they have for these were going to be overflowed, and then you have thousands of people drowning in their cars. That was the situation. They ended up making a good call, obviously, because they've gotten over fifty inches of rain. And more to come, which is crazy to me. But um, also, my last point here is that almost a million households received individual assistance from FEMA. There were uh, 275,000 houses destroyed in Katrina, and a million households received uh, federal aid afterwards. Um, Houston, it is uh, the FEMA has estimated at this point that 450,000 people are likely to seek federal aid. What would what would happen there in a libertarian society? I think I think you're seeing the libertarian society kicking in right now. The volunteerism and the people that are getting involved in dealing with things and you have a lot of private charities that are stepping up and um, I know every, almost every small community that we have is 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 loading supplies and dealing with uh is sending is sending supplies right now. That's the libertarian answer. Right. <clears throat> we have a, um, but there's on the back FEMA, end. If FEMA is estimating four hundred and fifty thousand people, then obviously the volunteerism answer hasn't worked for those four hundred and fifty thousand people. Uh, an awful lot of those folks are going to have an insurance issue uh, with when it comes to flood insurance and homes that they're they're displaced and the long term solution of not getting through today but rebuilding your life. Um, and I know that we get involved an awful lot in, in flood insurance, federal flood insurance, federal flood programs, and you don't have, once again, you don't have a true market there. Um, and I, a lot of the involvement that you're going to see from the federal government is going to be in the rebuilding stage. And it's because there, you can't just go out and get insurance on your own. The only flood insurance that exists is federal flood insurance, which means that you get in line like, uh, like you're in Venezuela. Right. Am I wrong? No, I think you're. I think you're right on that. I, I think that it encourages uh, development in these areas where, for different reasons, maybe we shouldn't be encouraging development. I mean, I'm all for the people of Houston, and I pray that they they come back. But uh, there there are incentives uh, to the point where people who used to work with the federal government are saying, "Look, we're we're incentivizing rebuilding this area that's going to get hit again and again and again with this yep. flooding so it's just throwing money at this problem that won't go away until we realize that maybe we shouldn't have this expansive city in an area that's just the strike zone for hurricane season and uh that's just that's just an expanse of concrete where with nowhere for the water to go yep. that just just like you said the fourth largest city in America that said, I mean, if in that area, but the lowest amount of water anybody's received is 28 inches of water so far. 28 inches of rain have fallen. I don't care what you do. <laughs> you're not dealing with 28. It's just a it's just a shitty storm, and you're going to be underwater. And there are areas that have been over 50 inches, which is four foot six inches of just water. It's like a 500 year storm. They yeah, keep it, saying. it's it's unbelievable. So that no amount of planning, no amount of you're you're just going to have a flood, and it's going to suck in that area. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and that, that's just the reality of it. Um, 
and if you have and it, places that don't flood are typically don't flood. Like I, I live here in White Estates. I don't live in a floodplain. There's a floodplain that's that. There's a creek that uh, apparently has raw sewage going into it. Apparently, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> my I, I always end up in the middle of the stories, and the my neighborhood has raw sewage. So the creek that carries the raw sewage. Uh, <laughs> it is also a floodplain, uh, and it's never reached my house. Yep. Uh, but if we had 48 inches of water, there's a good chance It'd that my, my driveway is going to have it. But the likelihood of you getting 48 inches of water in Newcastle, Indiana are so very, extremely low. Very minimal. Regardless of what you think about climate change, regardless of what you think about these different patterns. Right. Um, it's just, it's just not going to happen. So, so that's the risk we take. So I choose to not have flood insurance. I don't have flood insurance. I have homeowners insurance. I have just, I don't know. even know if you can get flood insurance. I think it's all subsidized by the government. Yeah, I think that's the deal is you can only planes. get it if you're in a floodplain. Right? If you're not, then you can't. I, I, I think so, yeah. And and that going reverse back, I think that's where you're just going with it. If if it wasn't, again, we're, right. we're here. I mean, so it just is what it is. But, right. but logically, I mean, realistically, if you could go back and you could eliminate the, the, the government subsidizing, then people wouldn't build – Close to these areas. Uh, now, again, I right. I, I don't think we're going to get. We're not going to solve this one today. And I, yeah, I know exactly. if we're dragging on in the podcast here yeah. with Jeremiah Moore, Dakota Davis, Clay Morgan, and, and Sean Rao on the Boss Hog of Liberty. But if, if people go to uh, Reason Magazine, they've got the John Stossel. He's left Fox Business Network, and he's he's doing a lot of reporting for them. Uh, when he was at ABC News, he. Uh, was a consumer reporter mm-hmm. and he uh, he had a coastal helm in the northeast and he had two or three times where he was hit and rebuilt and was the beneficiary to these types of things. Uh, he's come around and obviously has different views now as he's become more libertarian, uh, but he shares that story. So I would, I would encourage people to go go over to yeah. Reason and, and check that out. And it's a it's a, a great encapsulation of flood insurance and the way that works. Or if people you, are more interested, or you can just go to MVP Barbershop and see all of um, my old Reason magazines. Have you dropped them off? <laughs> Not yet. I'm going to start doing it though. I've got quite the collection over here as well. Of he's got a he's got a new magazine stand set up we in do. the shop, and I think I'm going to start do. taking them in there. That's awful nice of you. Very very progressive. Reading, reading vintage Reason magazines. There you go. <laughs> well, good deal. Well, I think we're at the point where we probably need to start going around the table for final thoughts. I agree, Jer. Sean, uh, I, I don't know if you listen all the time. I don't know. You know, we're I, nineteen I episodes in. Yes, yes. So, I have so this isn't a complete total shock to you that we do have final thoughts. It's your chance to plug something. It's your chance to promote something. It's your chance to wrap up anything that you've forgotten or that I cut you off rudely. The floor is yours. Sir. It's just it's just been a pleasure to be with you guys. I really appreciate you guys extending uh, the offer to be here and and being gracious hosts. And uh, I just want to send out thoughts for for back to the back to the hurricane to, for the people of Houston and and just hope that 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 turns out to be uh, a situation that people can thrive and and survive. And it's just amazing to see the the stories out of that. So um, nothing to plug. Uh, I'm in Newcastle. I'll be in Newcastle for a long time. So if uh, I hope you don't need me, but if you do, <laughs> I'll be around. Hit up Galen and Rao. Galleon Whether, and Rao. Galleon. Galleon. Yes, yes. Like the uh, like the, the people that bought Dick's Gal- uh, that that was purchased by Dick's uh, Sporting Goods. I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. Galleons. All right. Uh, Mr. Mr. Morgan, the uh, the frequent contributor uh, co-host until he until he resigns in shame from the show. <laughs> what you got? Oh, I just, I've enjoyed tonight. It was interesting to, to sit with Sean and hear some of these, uh, 
his comments on the issues that that we're currently facing and uh, so even hearing him speak continues to give me hope for the future and so that's great and uh, like him you know with people in Houston we, you know we kind of got off on a little bit of a flood insurance thing there you know these people don't care about flood insurance right I mean they're just they have a need they have a need that they needs have to be a very now. serious need right now and so um, it's easy for everyone to sit back and, and be that armchair quarterback and um, but uh, it is awesome to see the people going down and helping and and I know I I keep thinking going over and over in my mind how could I help or how, maybe send some money or something or who could I connect with and uh, they're going to have issues for a long time so but anyhow um, that's really it so definitely want to keep praying for them and um, it's easy again it's easy for us to forget about if if we don't have it in front of our face Yes, sir. Mr. Davis. Well, um, let's see. My final Now, these final thoughts have to count double because you're not showing up next week. Right, right, right. It's going to be my first Boss Hog Liberty without Dakota Davis. My first (laughs) thought for the evening is Clay forgot to mention his new Facebook page. Oh, that's right. Dad Dad, Bod 40. Dad Bod 40 (laughs) on Facebook. Dad Bod 40. I gave it a like. I think there's about seven right now. We'll see what kind of Boss Hog Liberty bump you get. People that made it to the darn near two-hour mark. Dad Bod's 40, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Is there there a swimsuit edition coming along? you you know, you know. um, (laughs) I'll be on the swimsuit calendar for Dad I thought about it, you know, kind of a little bit of fitness part to it, you know, but... Yeah, I, I really I felt bad. I felt like the Lord convicted me because I didn't want too many women lusting. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I didn't want to run any marriages. I didn't want to run any marriages. You know, you it know. might not be the women yeah. lusting. You, then, <laughs> you don't know. That's the twenty first really, century. Really, why I, why I did that? It's really just an outlet for me to share about Mike. It's really kind of for me. Yep. It's an outlet for me. Now you You're did, like Mike you did have an issue with, it, with the boys while I was at the barber shop. Oh, yeah, that, that's a whole another. Your one, the one son was coming out to get you because he was obviously mad at the brother for something. Oh yeah, and he went. He opened up the door real quick and yelled, "Dad!" And then he went to slam the door. And he slammed right his, on his hand. Right in on his hand. Do you keep them pinned up in the back room, the old realtor's <laughs> room in the back? Is that? You need to, <laughs> you need to get back like there, but yeah, they come out. I mean, they yeah, it's there have been many times I've walked into the shop and uh, and Clay's son is in the Big Joe beanbag chair, uh, watching Glenn Beck. <laughs> Poor kid, <laughs> train train them in the way they should go. The uh, you get so much more time in there. You're in there four times what I am with their, with their weekly cuts, I, and I'm in every five to six. Yeah, it's that it's that Thursday to Friday. You know, Eight to five hours he keeps that I have to take a vacation day to go get my damn haircut. One, one, yeah. one of my boys uh, decided he wanted to. Well, he didn't do it on purpose, but he broke my hundred-year-old vintage barber chair today. Oh, Snapped no. the foot plate right off that sucker. Oh, it's oh, toast. Little JB Weld, we'll be right it back together. <laughs> JB Weld. <laughs> yeah. Dakota, what else you got? Um. You know, just like I always say, I mean, as a friend on Facebook, and it would be awesome if people would donate to my, uh, the GoFundMe page. Um, we've raised about $200, which is huge. Fantastic. Which is huge for us. And that that is why I've set the goal for September 20th, because if we get another $100, obviously that's not going to be enough to cover everything for uh, the YouTube videos and stuff that we want to do. 
but it is going to be enough to get the studio done and we can start doing the podcast in there that that's the soundproofing and that is the table and the chairs and we have all the other and, and we'll have a permanent location yeah this week we've added uh, i i went out and got us a, a Oh, I got a, a four-channel headphone amp, so we uh, each each participant can have headphones. Uh, went out and out of my pocket, I bought uh, bought that. Picked up another set for Dakota, so we're always adding uh, always adding equipment. At some point, the microphones are probably going to need upgraded because I can't get everybody to talk straight into them. So sometimes we get a little hollow. I yep. get up and start turning people's heads, getting them to talk right into the mics. But we're going to make some upgrades there at some point along the way. Yeah. Um, so that I mean that's a huge help for us. Yep. Fantastic, uh, and we've got the floor down. We've got uh, yep. lighting's coming. Uh, there's just the, the tile's going to go up. Lighting's coming. We're, well, I mean, it's it's something that needs to happen. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm for sure. I'm so excited to find out what Chrissy Avery bought us. <laughs> she got like you. I, you she got you a rug. Know. You bought a rug, and it's going. She's going to have your yeah, rug. Yeah, she's going to have the rug, and you're going to have Chrissy. Two. I if anybody goes onto the Box Talk Liberty wish list, do not buy a rug. I already bought the rug. I yeah. found it. I was able to find the exact same one at the Home Depot, so I don't need it anymore. You need to update it and take it off there. But if Christy bought me the rug and she doesn't want to take it back, I will gladly take the other rug and take mine back to the Home Depot. So they can follow Dakota, Dakota at we are Liber- or Dakota at BossHogOfLiberty.com. Yep. Uh, from my end, real briefly here, a couple things to promote. Uh, if, if somebody does make a donation, uh, $50 or more, you make it on, uh, on the, the GoFundMe page. Send me an email, jeremiah at bosshogliberty.com. Let us know you made that $50 donation. Either Dakota or Tanner Purdue will be your personal drink maker. I open up the liquor cabinet, and uh, we'll cover you for the night. Yes. So you don't have to bring your own beer. We'll have, uh, we'll have the mixed drinks ready for you, and you'll have, a, you'll have your own server. $50 and, value. And Christy, Christy, took Christy some, did that. Yeah, she did that one time with yep. Tanner, yep. and he did a good job. For, for not knowing what he was doing, being underage. <laughs> he was only 20 then, <laughs> but he did a good job. But now, he's, he's 21 and he's, he's 21 uh, now and he's educated. He's been to scooters like four times in the last week, I heard. <laughs> That's he's, what uh, he told me. He the, told me he's been going there for dinner like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other thing to promote, September 11th, Clay, you gotta add this to your calendar. Uh, we are Libertarians Live, Morty's Comedy Joint in Indianapolis on 82nd Street. $5 to get in. Clay will comp you. You're, you're part of the cast now. <laughs> We'll get you taken care of. Sean, you got a carpool. We got the Tahoe. I can hold seven if you want to ride down with us. I've got the the Pacifica now. Oh, there you go. I have have all kinds of room. Tons of room. It is a great time. The We Are Libertarians live shows are so much fun. It's a lot of fun. And it's at Morty's, and they have the tot shows, and they're so good. There's a full bar. It's an old Don Pablo's restaurant that's a comedy club. Uh, Northside takes about 45 minutes from Newcastle to get there. If you want to go, let us know. We'll we'll ride over together after uh, after hours. they normally is a, a little warm up comic, and then you get uh, you'll get the We Are Libertarians big show along with uh, probably an appearance by Dakota and myself, if not uh, if not more. So, is that true? Is that really happening? Yeah, we're on stage. We are. Yeah, don't uh, don't bitch <laughs> out because you're you're the show. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, this just in breaking yeah. news. Yeah, Dakota it's, has to go now. It's a big night. Yeah, you're 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 featured. You'll be on stage at the at the uh, at the Mortys. All right. Uh, so yeah, look for that. Uh, like the Facebook page. We really are, uh, we're gaining tremendous momentum. Uh, an announcement about the show in, in the last six days, the, uh, episode 18 has had as many downloads as any other show we've done in the history of the show. So in a week we've done that. We started to do live, some video stuff, uh, promote, share, uh, just bringing attention to it. I know this Courier Times article is going to be, uh, going to be big for our, for us locally. Uh, people have no, 
there's a, there's a segment of people that understand what a podcast is. There's another number of folks that are like, what the hell are you doing and how do I get it and why do I care? Uh, uh, I had no idea until you, you said something to me about them. Really? Yeah. And I'm yeah. a millennial. You're yeah. a young wow. person. Yeah. I'm the oldest millennial on earth and he's the youngest, I think. That's <laughs> what I've never had an Apple product though. Well, I, I don't either, but I use, yeah, you uh, can still get podcasts. Podcast so. addict yeah. on the yeah. Android is what I use. Sure. SoundCloud. Yeah. Yeah. Podcasting yeah. kind of sounds like something you do in a garden. Well, maybe for a, for a yes. Gen Xer. But yeah, we're on for Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on TuneIn Radio. Any podcast app you have, you got the RSS feed. Uh, coming soon to the YouTube, Facebook Live before too long if the uh, if the money keeps flowing. So we appreciate the support. Like us, uh, definitely on iTunes. Like 75% of the downloads are on iTunes still. So you, uh, Apple dominates the uh, that world. Um we uh, we definitely would uh, would like you to rate us in there as well. Uh, five stars, of course. Don't get don't bother with the one star. Go go the full five, just like the Uber rating. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Jeremiah at bosshogliberty dot com, Dakota at bosshogliberty dot com, and at someday when Clay's really committed, we'll, we'll get him a profile on the fireside, and, and he'll be Dakota. I told Clay him it would be fire, by the boss- end of the week. But, Man, oh, the you're setting on. you're it's setting Thursday. an unreasonable expectation. But I also told him. Or I also told Jeremiah, if I told Clay by the end of the week, then that means by Thursday night I'm going to be telling you, hey, you need to get Clay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time we'll see Dakota for a while. He's going to go work 80 hours straight just for this podcast. So, 82 uh, if everything goes good. As long as you uh, as, as long as, long as, as you don't, the plan goes good. As long as you don't upset the union committee, man. All right. Well, we will... Uh, We'll catch up with you all next time. We appreciate you listening. And we do have we have guests lined up for the next month. So look for a weekly show. Unless something goes terribly wrong, you got a lot more Boss Hog Liberty coming your way. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.